centered around reading and rereading Brandon Sanderson's ever-expanding Cosmere series. My name is Dappert, and I'm joined by someone I know quite well, a Mr. Birthday Boy, Richie, someone I know is great at music, but has bad takes on top books, our (laughs) resident virtuoso, Jake, and someone who has read the Cosmere quicker than anyone I've ever known, Speedy Speedy Joe, who read the entire Cosmere in six months, which is just insane. It's actually crazy. It took me 11 years, 12 years to Absolutely get to where I'm Absolutely amazing. At. <laughs> Welcome, Thanks. Joe. Welcome. Thanks. Welcome. We're happy to have you. Uh, the Kremlings will remember Jake from his amazing uh, Jake Ranks the Cosmere episode. Um, there were some uh, zesty takes there <laughs> that we will never forget. Never <laughs> Freezing cold that. takes. I, I think it's the right way to put it. And now Joe Joe is uh, Joe's pretty much caught up, and he is on the White Sand graphic novels. So yeah, right. he's fully caught up. He's read. He's read everything Book he needs three. to read. I'm I'm three. Bu- I'm two books past Dappert now. This is the <laughs> this is the final, the final ending, and I so, don't know so, what I'm gonna do with my so, life now. The final ending. So Joe, so far, do you agree with Jake's takes? No. Okay. Yeah. Right. We, obviously, good, obviously, good. we will save that. You know, we'll save your full rankings for your ranking episode. We'll have that later on. All right. I said uh, it before. I'm gonna say it again. We know that the Stormlight books are the best. Brandon put a little extra in them, but is it going to be interesting to have everybody rank most mostly Stormlight books in their top ten? No. But Absolutely. that's like. Worth? But I, that, we've we fought about this. We don't need to fight more about this. Mm-hmm. I ranked mine before listening to the episode, and I re-rank them after. I have both of them, so there's a, there's an original copy, and then I I took some of your takes. Did you rate it in I stone? Uh, in steel, actually. Thank you. Um, Very nice. Joe ranks the po- uh, podcast. <laughs> Joe, Joe ranks the episodes. Joe ranks the episodes. We'll be excited Joe. to have the Joe ranks the <laughs> books. <laughs> Joe ranks the episode of the highly invested. <laughs> we, we can do that as well. Joe, do you want to rank episodes. the episodes that we have out right now? <laughs> yeah, I, I can definitely do that as well as the books. It'll be inter- intermixed. We'll have like 50 something rankings. Then we'll That's have awesome. JJ rank the ranking episodes only. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Today, We'll be discussing the incredible secret project number four, The Sunlit Man. This podcast will not be divided into a non-spoiler and a spoiler section, so if you have not caught up, or at the very least read The Sunlit Man, we will see you next week. Max, (laughs) yes, this does mean you. You should not listen to this episode. I'm sorry, Kremlings. This is a pure spoiler bus episode. We're We're going express straight into everything Cosmere. Uh, oh, all right. Man. Well, with that, let's uh, let's let's dive in. This is this is fucking. This is yeah, a we got big a lot book. to cover. Yeah, we got a lot to cover. Mm-hmm. Speaking of covers, let's initially talk about the cover of the book. Mm. I thought this was one of my favorite covers of the Seeker Projects. Next to this one, I really love Tress. I think this one is just gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. 
Well, you know, he had a lot of different artists for this entire book. And it's actually something that really stood out to me when he's kind of going through the intro and all of that. Because obviously he just did Yumi, which is literally all about art. And that stuck with him like so much when he was writing it and reading it that he knew he wanted to get different perspectives on how Canticle and how Sigzil slash Nomad slash Zellion is going gonna, is gonna to look and portray in, in this, this world that is just all about running and always yeah. running from no, you the, from can feel, death. you can feel the intensity from the cover alone. Mm-hmm. I think it, I think it's very well done. Um, but let, let's do a quick summary uh, so that we can get into our overall thoughts. All right, let's do it. The book opens up fully in media race as we join Nomad and his talking companion with a very monotone voice, auxiliary, as they quote unquote skip to a new planet. He looks around and kind of wonders what's going on before he sees a group of white-robed individuals kind of taking these, these clear prisoners to these stakes in the ground. And he kind of tries to run away or figure out what's going on, or at least talk to them. And he can't because of the connection, and so I should say lack of connection with a capital C, to this new world that he is on. Nomad is captured, uh, hammered to a... What do you call it? A stake in the ground is probably the right way to put it. And at the same time this is happening, tries to fight back. Only for us, the reader, to learn that he is frozen by something that is... He, he refers to as what, guys? It's his, it's his torment. torment. Yeah. Yes, his torment. And from here, he does get captured. And very quickly after this, still trying to figure out what's going on, he notices these hover bikes and the sunrise. Understanding quickly that the sun and the entire space around this new planet is highly invested, been waiting to say that, he tries to understand if he could absorb the new investiture, all in conversation again with his dead-voiced, monotone companion, Ox. But unfortunately, once the sunlight comes closer to him and he sees all of the other prisoners screaming, he realizes it's too powerful when he's trying to absorb it. And he uses auxiliary in this cool crowbar thing to break himself out and throw himself and latch him on to a runaway hover bike. How else do I describe that, right? Yeah, like, no, that's pretty accurate, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, and, and we got we to gotta have a moment here to just appreciate the randomness and the suddenness of this opening. This is crazy compared to Yumi. Like, Yumi is so slow. It's a nice little rom-com. And we get in here straight up Mad Max, like mm. thick of the action, and it just doesn't stop. Like mm-hmm. throughout this entire part, it's literally the chaos of also not being able to understand like anything that's happening or what people are saying. Uh, and the companion that is Ox, which is just a perfect companion to begin this like journey with us. It's so fucking exciting. Mm-hmm. Dude. This is like the most excited I was when I started reading this. <laughs> And I don't know if you guys, you guys probably have not picked up at this point who this person was, right? I think No, I even texted you that. I, I remember texting you being like, is this Hoyt again? That, <laughs> that's what I remember asking. I was like, I was like, there's no way this is Hoyt again. And did he get a second sprint? That was my first thought. Like, You had told me before it came out, Richie, that uh, it was going to be about Sigzel. Um, I think it would have, I think it would have been evident fairly soon it would have he would have figured it out in like five chapters yeah, yeah. like especially i learned by chapter 10 I mean, for what it's worth 
Yeah, like when he was you kind of know with storms and uh, I yeah. think Ox gives big sprint energy from the get. So yes, you think it's that's exactly what I was going to say too. Because not only is he talking in his mind, but we see a very specific other uh, Cosmere entity able to form into all these wild shapes, yeah. and it's very much a spren. He's swearing by the storms. It's clearly ro- that this this main character is Rosharan. Mm-hmm. Right. So then um, uh, Nomad is able to escape the burning sun, um, and he's taken to the area of all floating ships combined to make a city. Right. And you know we'll try to speed up the summary here. Uh, He's placed into basically a gladiator arena. He escapes. He escapes with rebellions against this figure that rebellions. we know is the... Yeah. The, the, he escapes against this figure that we know is the Cinder King later on. And he meets Rebecca and the trio known as... Uh, what are they called? The greater, the greater good. good. The greater good. Right? And at that point, he gains his connection. He's able to understand them. And he says to them, I'll help you. And we got to understand how he gains this connection too, right? We should, I think, pick apart quickly the different new Cosmere terms that we get. Specifically two. Skip and B-E-U. Yeah, dude. When I read B-E-U, I was freaking out. Cause, <laughs> Me cause, too. Because we, we need to take an even hop, further step back, right? This is clearly space-age Cosmere, right? This is hundreds of years after Stormlight, all of Stormlight, or just Stormlight 5? I don't know. Possibly. Right? But possibly, possibly all of Stormlight. And, well, and they have a measurement for investiture, and it's brilliant. Do we know how long it is after Stormlight? Because mm. We have he, no idea. Because the no way idea. he talks about the events of um, his Dawn Shard and losing Ox made it sound like it was fairly recent but that also could have been trauma but also like when he saw the the vision of wit he was like was that cal and it could have been it was like, just it was know? just vague enough where it's so, not explaining whether or not cal is alive or not right it so could just, annoying it could be a person who is reminiscing on a person that has long passed because we also don't right. have a good idea of like because if we're i guess i guess the thing that hinges on is how immortal is Kelsier Thydekar as a um, cognitive shadow? Because pretty immortal, he was alive during the events of Stormlight, which um, is hundreds of years, right? Yeah, and so we know that that was at least after Era Two because he talks to Marisi, but it also could have been even later on. I thought Brandon at some point like has specified that cognitive shadows are virtually quote unquote immortal. Unless they are otherwise destroyed. They are. They are very, very much virtually immortal, Joe. I think that the best way to describe them as spirits. They are basically shades, which we will yeah. get into. Get into uh, yeah. Not capital S, uh, who have retained their cognitive presence in the universe, but their body, their physical presence, is gone, dead, gone forever. And that's why Kelsier is not really able to escape the Skadrial Shadesmar. Because yes. he is still connected, even though he doesn't have a physical body, to Skadriel. And Skadriel. 
schedule. Uh, and he. That, this has been an audio versus book reader uh, pop portion of the podcast. It's definitely schedule, and it's definitely Marisy because that's how they yeah. read it in the audiobooks. Hundred percent not, but we we we, we, we will. Yeah. I feel like we're both gonna die on these hills. Brandon, I, I know um, you're listening. Just DM us. Let us know. Um, He's even said you can pronounce it how you want. He really I, think that, I think that this book, though, really makes you, it leaves you wondering so much about Stormlight. And I think he did that intentionally. Of course. And, of course. Dude, it's so vague. The entire time that I'm reading about it, all I want is more hints and more things about Stormlight. Mm-hmm. And I think he leaves you at that, like, just on that tipping point, the entire book. It, it, it's a little frustrating that, like, we're getting Nomad's thoughts. How has he not thought about what happened to Roshar in full detail? He not thinks about that event. So Quote, unquote, think, that event. I think I've told Dap and Richie at some point, but I'm pretty sure a lot of bad things happen in Stormlight 5. That's my like theory. So I imagine a lot of this is all suppressed. Like He's not going to think about it because it's very negative and... Yeah. Um, but we don't really have a concept of time, and like you don't really know if Kaladin becomes a shadow... Lives, dies, becomes a shard, mm-hmm. becomes honor. Right, you have you have no idea what Kaladin becomes. So him just mentioning Cal, I think, is like all we really know is that he takes up a, a dawn shard at what thirty eight, and then now we're here. Old. Yeah, and I right. think I think it has. I think he's has to be like a hundred plus years old. We're past Mistborn three, I imagine. Right, we're we're probably closer to Mistborn Mistborn four. I'm just guessing based upon the space era. So, okay, this is a great question, and we can, we can bring this up now about where we are. So, minor Six of the Dusk 2 spoilers here uh, for listeners. <laughs> How? Six of the <laughs> You're Dusk 2? You're Best crazy. Best book, by really? the way. If you haven't read Six of the Dusk 2 pre-reading, you have to go read so, it. So, to the Kremlings, there's a slight excerpt uh, on um, Brandon's... Uh, on the Arcanum uh, Coppermind, to search Arcanum Coppermind, you can find the excerpts of things Brandon Sanderson has read. He read a short excerpt from Six of the Dust 2, something he's still working on. This could possibly be taken away, but we know that there are... Uh, True, not canon. And on also, I think this might have been mentioned six of, in the first Six of the Dust, there are treaties or, or there are these things put in place to stop people from interfering with planets. Yeah, they mentioned right? the first Six of the Dust. Right, and I think that we're at in Sunlit Man. We're at a point where those are definitely not in place, based yeah, on what 100%. the Skadrians are doing. Right? right, and I think that's why they put them. This might be the reason they put this these has things to in be place. One of the that could be. But right, if you do read that, I just want to. I just want to say, I take a lot of pride in my in my guesswork of what happens in that book, and I'll leave it at that because it is. Yeah. It is okay. All right, so let's. All right, so we we're gonna be all over the place. It's gonna be really hard. So <laughs> I know. I know, we, I know. I know. All right. So let's finish um, the summary. Well, we we've talked about Cal. This is kind of at the point where he discusses Cal and has a conversation with Hoyt. And to me, which that that came out early, right? That was in the excerpt, and I know mm-hmm. you and I read that, Richie, yeah. and kind of lost I our minds. I think it's a chapter it. ten because that's when I learned that it was six old, or that's when I made the connection that it was six old was when he was talking right. to Wit, and I'm pretty sure it's like about chapter ten. Perfect. And you know what? I can't find it in Richie's notes. I thought you'd have the whole like brief chat. That was a really oh no, I just I just I just put in yeah I just put in that he has this conversation with Hoyt, and it is. It's beautiful and it's sad, and you can tell that 
that Nomad feels hurt by what Wit I seems like forced him to do, kind of, which is hold this Dawn Shard. And we also And you know what? It's one of the few times we see Wit Hoyd vulnerable. Yeah. I was and gonna say humanize everything moreover, because he's so and remorseful. Used to messing with people and insulting people and being disingenuous or like not being totally upfront and he's so apologetic and Sigzel notes his sincerity with such surprise and I think it's it, it, it really carries the weight of the moment it's I think the only time we see the son of wit so far it's the only time that I can recall where he is genuine and you feel it yeah that was a great moment. At least in like a penitent way. Because I think we see he, some uh, genuineness. Uh, there's like one scene with him and Yasna. Well, in, in Rhythm of War, he does get more serious. Like throughout Stormlight, he certainly becomes a more serious character. But you don't really see a humanity side of him. You see a chess player side of him, I think, at that point. You see, you see an immortal being trying to get his will throughout. Here you see a human, I feel like. Mm. Yeah, or what used to be one, right? Briefly, yeah. Because the the part I'm mm. thinking about is when uh, Wit is alone with Yasna, and he's reflecting on like the interesting nature of their relationship. And that was when I was like, oh, like they're clear, they clearly have some intimacy here, mm. but it seems like there's nothing sexual. And that was the scene where I was like, oh, Yasna's probably asexual. And I think that's like you don't see a lot of characters with that orientation. So I thought that was cool. So, uh, after he meets Rebecca and has a conversation with the greater good, they decide that they need to find this underground cavern, this sanctuary, I think is the right word, right? Right. right. And, and Nomad recognizes the key and mm-hmm. realizes that this must be Skadrian technology and that they are probably here to just survey the planet. And he knows that their salvation won't be behind there, but he also thinks that this might be a way for him to get enough investiture to leave. And we see this interesting internal conflict with himself and and somewhat auxiliary, but more of himself, about wanting to both help these people and just kind of his call to his old oaths and just keep running. And that's the entire theme of the book, running away and always trying to be ahead of your problems. I mean, the planet is literally like that. Sigzil, Nomad, is running from the Night Brigade. And so he, he kind of knows, and he doesn't know how to tell them, that they're never going to be able to run away from their problems because this salvation they seek is a spaceship, a starship, as he says, that is just surveying the planet, and there's maybe four of them. And if you <laughs> notice... space for just them. If you notice, he's really careful with his words. He doesn't give them, like, an... He, he doesn't give away oaths easy. Right, so he's very careful with what That's he promises to, to, to do for them. He promises yeah. to mm. get them inside, but not much else. So. Mm. so after he has this conversation and this internal conflict, he does decide he's going to tell them the truth, but still help them because it will allow him to run away. So they have this raid on the Cinderkeen's city, um, which I guess is the only way we could call it, Union, I believe. Mm. Right. And so... They, they're trying to find the, the real key or, or something that's going to help them know where the location is of the secret underground cavern that will be the sanctuary for Beacon and the greater good and all of the Beaconites. Yeah. And 
I was just gonna clarify. Like, we gotta remember the planet is separated, uh, as in I forget what it is. Right? There's a like a top and a bottom where they mm, can't yes. where they can't go to, and the uh, no one knows where this sanctuary is. Um, supposedly, um, we just have the key card. So yeah, they're looking for the coordinates, and these are like massive flying cities, or maybe not massive, mm. but remember these are like flying cities. Yeah, they are constantly on the move. Yeah. I always imagine like the size of Battery Park, uh, but like built up and you can kind of take away tiny houses away. Um, But after they have this raid and uh, Nomad argues with this Cinder King because he can finally speak his language, uh, he finds out that the Cinder King is Cosmere aware because there's been other visitors who have even left an Ars Arcanum by Chris on the planet with him after... The Cinder King killed the other Rosharan traveler. Which was a Thalen. Well, oh, yeah, it was a Thalen. We find out that he never actually killed the man. He never knew the man. He never was able to meet the guy at all. It was just, we found this book. Well, yeah, because that's, that's how I always imagined the Cinder King. He's like a mix of a worse Elokar, an angry Elokar, and a stupider Telson, in my opinion. But yeah. anyway, I'll come, I'll come to that when <laughs> yeah. I describe the Cinder King. So after he has this fight with him, and again, he can't fight, so he's like fake fighting the guy, he escapes and they find the hole in the ground. And once again, he tries to tell the Beaconites, this is not your salvation. It's not going to work out the way you think. I I promise you that this is not going to go how you think it's going to go. This part was very (laughs) exciting. Just the fact that we were just about to meet Skadrians on another planet was so exciting. I know. And we know there's Gadrians too, which we don't really know in Six of the Dusk with those visitors from above. And so they get down there. He has this whole conversation with these Gadrians who identify him as Rosharan, ask if he is unoathed, which he says he is. Mind blown. And they immediately turn away the Beaconites. <laughs> it's just brutal. Unbelievable. We knew it was going to be like that. And it's, it's sad. And it's so, so bad. And the Beaconites are just left to die, right? Yeah. They're left. The sun's coming. The literally roast them alive. Them, like, they're out I mean, you gotta, I don't really sympathize with them, but you got to think about, like, they must have, like, no, not with it. No, I oh, sympathize. God, I sympathize with the Beaconites. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, I don't sympathize with the Scadrials. With the Scadrians. <laughs> the, the, you just must imagine. They must be on a few hundred planets. They're probably, they're probably all over the Cosmere by now. With science, with small science faction like uh, uh, outposts, all research outposts, all yeah. over, right? They already mentioned that the military is has a drastic space uh, uh, advantage Armada. already, right? Like the, the space advantage of their military is huge, um, and so them being like, we can't really save everyone. I, I completely understand the jaded mindset that these scientists are gonna get under, as they're like, we've seen a few dozen worlds probably die already like that yeah. we've we've come in we can't save everyone and them be like this is like the line we have to draw well that well Very not win uh, well that being said then if they don't want to get involved don't t- show the no, cinder king I, I how agree. to make yeah. charge Facts. people i damn right reggie take members I, of the they're planet. warmongering <laughs> they're, they're just they're yeah. warmongers they're they're it's, they're, it's, they're it's profiteering on this this is which brings up a bigger question of and we can say this for later of are Skadrians going to be the big bad? I think Skadrians <laughs> always the have Cosmere? that. I think that all of them are tools for shards, right? So this is like a, a, they're, they're going to be one other tool for one other shard, and we'll see who. Mm. 
And you know they were already for like four if you make Harmony one separate one. Yeah. Right. So they have this entire conversation with these Skadrians and young Nomad, who has been renamed Zellian, (laughs) decides that he needs to help. And Auxiliary has this incredible sacrifice moment as he tries to chase after Beacon in order to save them as they fight the Cinder King's army. so good. And Auxiliary gives up the remaining part of his soul to give Nomad slash Zellian slash Sigzil one last burst of radiant energy. It's the saddest And he is a skybreaker. He is a... uh, a, The the Windrunner that we know well is a skybreaker at this time. Mm. And he flies after and saves the people of Beacon by using the auxiliary shield as the sunlight comes and he chases then Rabik and Elegy, who is Rabik's sister, who we haven't mentioned, and fights the Cinder King, beats the Cinder King by absorbing all of his investiture and skips away with the end of the book, him on a beach as auxiliary is released and comes back to him soulless. That is nerve wracking timing though. Also it was literally just like watching the sky being like, all right, I think that's enough time. Imagine he was off by like 20 seconds. You got to remember he meets some Shodel at the very end. He meets some Shodel. Which is is our third time uh, seeing Shodel now. Yeah. Very, Thank very you, big. Richie. It's third becoming time. very common. Yes. Well, uh, for those for the listeners common. who don't remember, the first time, at least I remember seeing a Shodell, was in the Lost Metal. I believe in the Lost Metal, M- Milan is traveling in the uh, in the epilogue in Shadesmar, aka the Cognitive Realm, and is greeted by a Shodell. Second time on a boat. Yep. On a boat. Second time is Yumi and the Nightmare Painter, where we actually find possibly the planet that Shodell are currently residing on. It's the second planet. That is filled with water that Sigzil may have skipped to. It's the second planet, and then now Sigzil has skipped to this planet, possibly in the Yumi, uh, uh, the, the Yumi and the Nightmare Painter uh, universe. For our solar system, which is amazing. And you know, the best part of this is I think we're like almost never going to know for those who are right. listening and don't remember what the Shodel are, and also for me, what are the Shodel again? <laughs> okay, so the Shodel, and Richie, jump in if I'm a little wrong, please. Yeah, Joe, if you it. know them too. The Shodel are a race of humanoid things, people, creatures, whatever you want to call them, who have blue skin and forearms. And they are native to a very specific planet that humans and dragons are also native to, called Yolen. Which is which also is where Hoid is from. And so the, the shattering reason, of an Elnasium happened. So the reason some people know about Shodel, which, once again, is kind of annoying, is through WOBs, right? Through WOBs and excerpts and, and beta excerpts of, Yo- of um, Dragonsteel, which is a story where Hoid's story is going to take place. Dragonsteel planet will be Yolen. The creatures will be dragons and Shodel and humans. So some people have read these small excerpts that he has written that are drafts. Some of them became the Way of Kings, um, and others are probably left on the cutting room floor. But that's where people know that the Shodel are a thing. So I only brought it up because I think it's kind of big to see. They're one of the three species that we know predate the Shattering. And yes. I think that's what is important about them. 
any other species, we can't confirm whether or not they predate the shattering. We know ethers also. Are they really the a shattering. species? No, it's like a but there's something else that does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, moving on. Thank you for doing. Thank you for leading that summary, Dap. I appreciate that. But now um, let's go around, and I want to hear everyone's overall thoughts on this book and where you would place it amongst the Cosmere. Um, let's start. Let's start with you, Joe. All right. I my first res- first response to this book was that it was top tier. That was that was the yeah. the very first thing I said once I finished it. Um, after that. Uh, I remember talking to you, Richie, at a bar, and you said, if I know one thing about you, Joe, you're going to love this book before reading it, and you were 100% right. (laughs) It currently in my rankings cracks my top 10. I will not say whether or not it cracks my top 5 or not. Um, We'll leave that up to mystery. I knew you would like this a lot, Um, for sure. It is my favorite of the secret projects. Um, I love the action, the mystique, and Stormlight being virtually everyone's favorite book. Any type of continuation and... Uh, cliffhanger mystery away from that just leaves me excited. So that'll be my two cents. I love it. I love it. What about you, Jake? Definitely top ten. Really enjoyed this. Wow. This is crazy. Can we get a little bit more specific from you since we know your ranking? Oh, yeah. We actually know your ranking. So Does it it bump white sand? Please tell me it it bumps white sand volume one. I don't know if I liked it better than volume two. Ridiculous. I just We're not getting into J- it. Jake Dapper, what? you haven't read the books. Don't talk to me. Oh, get absolutely <laughs> cindered. Um, Would yeah. you really just use cinder? Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that like a part of why I'm tempering my reaction to it is something I talked to Richie about, which is the drastic shift in Sigzel's character. Um, like the tone was extremely different and especially with the audiobook it was a very harsh sort of like gritty voice used for Sigzil throughout the book um, and especially in contrast to the very kind of like Faye and like Joker-ish like Heath Ledger Joker style voice oh. that they used for the Cinder King it felt yeah. very cliche like oh here's the gruff masculine protagonist and the like uh, sort of conniving, slimy, slightly effeminate villain. And it was just, in addition to sort of the, you know, we could talk about the problem problematization of that trope, but it's also just kind of played out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's a really, I think it's a really compelling story. Like that beginning, like you talked about, hits the ground running. The pacing, I really enjoy. I think it's very, like, there are very real stakes and sort of like several ticking clocks, but in a way that doesn't feel redundant or repetitive. Like it sort of keeps the action moving between acts of the story. Um, right. In a, in a way that's very fun. And like the technology and the fight scenes I loved and like very, very fun character development too. Very fun interactions between the character. There's a lot of emphasis on like community and, Connection, capital C. I agree. And, um, I agree. So is it top five? Mm, I'll have to think about that more. It's close because, like, my five is Emperor Soul, six is Dawn Shard, four is Tress of the Emerald Sea. So, yeah, it's definitely around there. 
Yeah, I think I think I like Tress a little bit more, and I think part of it was that like Tress felt like it had a lot of original aspects to it. This mm. felt more less original. Like this gave me Catch Me If You Can vibes. I don't know if you, but like in a yeah. in a well, more uh, serious yeah. manner. Yeah, and it was also yeah. like I could see the big power boost coming at, in the final act from a mile away. And the fact that there wasn't, like, there was something like that with Hoyd in Tress, but the fact that, like, Tress wasn't just about that pursuit of power or pursuit of, like, status not in, like, a class way, but status in, like, this person becomes a Radiant, this person becomes a Mistborn, you know, this this person becomes an Elantrian. Like, it wasn't about that, it was about Tress's journey and Tress sort of coming into her own, which I thought was a really beautiful and understated kind of narrative. Yeah, they, they mentioned that, I think, after the epilogue. I don't know what those are called. What's it called when Brandon's talking at the end? Acknowledgements. After notes or something? I don't think it's the acknowledgements either. Postscript, I want to say. Postscript. In the postscript, he talks about how this was the only book that he knew how he wanted it to go. And thus, I felt like Tress was more uh, vague. It kind of, like, waved around a story. It it could have went any way. Where this, right. this was, I know where I want to get from A to B and... It's filling in the in the gap, and and also to to your point, Jake, we've seen a character burst with light. We've seen a character yeah. become a knight's radiant before, and what that looks like. We've seen Kaladin do it in literally almost every book, <laughs> right? So I get like I get that it it seems like you've seen this already. Um, and where with Tress, it's like it's more just her developing as a person. She doesn't have superpowers. She doesn't have all these things, but her journey is really interesting. Um, and all right, Dap, let's let's take it to you. Uh, where were, right, you, where were your you. overall? Because I got a lot to say. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, me, I, me I too. That's that why I need to go last, bro. I, I I am gonna I'm gonna unpack a lot of what you said there, Jake, because I do have I think a very good rebuttal, but like conversational rebuttal. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, this was one of the best books I've ever read in the Cosmere, and I have read every single book multiple times. Except for White Sands. And White Sands. one of the reasons for that is because I've read every single book so many times. There were so many callbacks. There were so many like follow-ups, and I loved that. And it, it gave me a lot of fan service. And you know what? I'm not going to shy away from it. I enjoy fan service. I love Star Wars for that reason. Well, one of those reasons. And it's this, this whole story, franchise. including Sigzil, has been with me for so long. Ten years. And so getting to see him so much later on and, and his whole journey up to there being a mystery, something I'm so ready to unpack but can't, just filled me with a lot of joy throughout this entire book. And then similar to both of you, I really loved the pacing. One of my biggest complaints that I always come up against with, and I have it myself with some of Brandon's writing, is it's very slow building and then a sudden burst. But as you called it right, Jake, there's a lot of ticking clocks. There's a lot of different adversity that these characters have to face throughout the entire book. And that meant a lot to me because it wasn't just dealing with the same tr- like just trek to the end and the Sanderlanch that some of his books can feel like. But... This is where I think I just disagree with you, Jake, because to me, this is a top three book. And I think it's because of, even though there's a lot of similarities, the character of Nomad and Zellion is about his fight against that power. He almost refused to let Auxiliary give him that, that power at the very end to save everyone else. He wanted to forget about all of his O's. He rejected who he was and what he used to think about. And that is such a different story 
than we get of the rest of Bridge 4. Their Bridge bridge 4 fight is just not about rejecting themselves. It's coming to accept themselves and getting past the darkness. This book and the way that Sigzil and Nomad act is him doing the opposite. And he has to embrace it at the very end to save all these people and have like that really good, again, fan service callback, sure, but that meant a lot to me because it was a different look at investiture in power. Sigzil, Nomad, Zellion only cares about it to run away. That is the only reason he wants the investiture, to keep running. And that is the yeah. opposite as oh, well and of a lot of people. the series we get. And to save people. It's not just to save himself. He mentions that. If they catch him... No, that's the fight. That's the fight. No, I mean, he's... But he's running to save what he says is millions. Well, if they get him... In his eyes. And, yeah, sure. But it's also about survival. And yeah, sure, he's thinking he's saving the entire Cosmere because yeah. if the Night Brigade get him, then they, they can connect the Dawn Shard to whoever has it. But he also yeah. But yeah. refused Someone had it before him. Because when Hoy was like, we, like, um, what you did saved millions, he's like, I don't... He, like disagrees with that idea and mm-hmm. so i think that there's like i agree that there's that fight there and i think it is more about his self-preservation than it is saving people in fact i think he i think part of the big moment with being in the lab with the scadrians is that there's an alignment of how he used to used to view things in terms of like oh well i can't save everybody so i'm gonna yep. focus on saving myself and he decides to intervene because he's there and because he can. There's a big rejection of self throughout the beginning yeah. of this because Sigil constantly, when he begins to wonder about the world and their culture and their mechanics, he always comments like, I'm not that person anymore. Um, he and this go of his name? Yeah, and this will get into Dap if you have any more. Uh, no, so th- that's my main point, and he, that's one of the reasons, that whole conflict of self. It's yeah. a great way to think about it. It was a so, big reason this is so high in the rankings this, for me. Yeah. And, and so that's this, why. This will actually get into like my um, ov- my overall thoughts on the book, too. I really did love this book also. I love the pacing, and I loved seeing the representation of Sigzil in, as the main character in this book. Um, what I wish I had more of is Sigzil returning to the old Sigzil. I think that we get parts of that in his like Navani moments where he's like studying and, and doing those uh, like experiments. Describe it. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's clear where the Mavor, like Brandon really shines when he, he Brandon shines when he shows a character loving the thing that they do. He, he has a really good job of that. We get the same thing with, with Yumi and painter when they're in the zone doing with like doing the things that they love. Um, whether it be, you know, painting or, or stacking stones. <laughs> like I never, nice. thought he, never thought he'd make that like actually truly fascinating, right? The, the art that goes into it. Um, what Sigzil does is art as well, like which is the appreciation of worlds and cultures and it's telling those stories. What I wished I got a little bit more of is Sigzil becoming that person or at least hinting that he was that person again um, where he was a world singer, where he would comment on the places that he's been he's literally not only a world singer now but a world hopper a skipper which gives leads to a lot of opportunity for him to have shared some really interesting stories and in sharing those stories show that he's that old sigil again granted the setting of the story 
it doesn't make for that because it's so fast paced, right? So you can't have those moments where he's becoming that old Sigzel. He's it's just like in and out, you know, quick adventure, <laughs> right? <laughs> the problem just the, a quick the, adventure. I but I, I really <laughs> did love it, and I loved how like I loved how fast paced it was. I love that the setting of the of the planet is the setting of the story and sets the pace of the story because you're racing the sun as well, right? And I I thought that it was super fun. I just wish that. The Sigzel that puts his feet up on the table and is just rude to everyone constantly. Yeah. That's not our Sigzel. And I wish that mm-hmm. like we got a little bit. He's, he, became, he was jaded. He was jaded all the way to the end, pretty much. And I know that he's probably had, like I said, 150 maybe years of holding this Dawn chart and seeing cultures and civilizations and planets die as he's trying to run away. And like we said, survive for himself, perhaps. Um, I really just wish we got a little bit more of that other part. But... I'm not going to harp on it because, like I said, this was super exciting. And I really I'm, enjoyed I this. To be fair, all the so rankings, where, where we're it, calling it a top book. All right, all right. You, you, no numbers, for me, no for numbers. Me, for me, where does it rank? It, this is going to be a little bit more. This is going to be Because I, I feel like there might be some recency bias uh, <laughs> for, point, for yeah. UDAP. Um, but I'm going to put it. I'm going to put it just. I'm going to put it just outside the top 10 maybe right in the at the cusp mm. of the top 10. wow that actually and, surprises me yeah. and i like i said i really really loved this book and and i love the the book is a thank you to the cosmere fans right he, he even dedicates it to us in the beginning it's full of callbacks right it's full but it that mean it means that it can't really stand alone as much and obviously it's a it's a cosmere book and eventually these can't stand alone. They have to be referring to the, the, the greater universe. Um, but this is a lot of fan service and, <laughs> and callbacks and references to Stormlight. I have so many quotes highlighted because every time he said something or thought about the past, I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was literally so fucking hype, right? So, but I understand why I'm hype. It's because of everything that's come before it. So I'm really just trying to look at the book alone. Um, but like I said, like, this could be top 10 for me, for sure. Like, don't let what I'm saying, what my criticism of it, or my commentary don't on it. Don't shy away, like, Richie. Dilute it. your ranking. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, I will say, Dapper was going to buy I will own my ranking. done it by now. I think we could talk about this for a while, so I'll try and keep it short, because we've all mentioned it. But, like, him saving himself or saving, in my opinion, like, everyone. Like, we're, I don't know if we're ever going to agree on that. But it does kind of give you a scope of how far in the future we might be, though. And I, I only connected this because is when we know the people that live forever, right? The heralds, supposedly. They kind of all want to die or leave or they're all crazy at some point, right? And that's like a yeah. few thousand, like a thousand years, give or take, right? So we know it's less than that, at least, because as most people that live forever aren't self-preserving still, it seems, in the Cosmere. Unless you can store your memories into something like Wit does, which so he doesn't go crazy. That was true. Or if you're like a dragon. And we can, maybe, we can maybe suspect that he does do that. Wit would have taught him that, maybe. But at the same time, we know that he's on, what is it, like 10% skip capacity or BEUs. So we know that he doesn't have much investiture left. So... Um, it's hard to believe that he's actually able to at least either if he stores them he loses them I'm guessing yeah no I don't yeah I don't think so at least not yet my question right. do we know when Sigzel receives the Dawn Shard in relationship to the uh, timeline of Stormlight well no how old idea. is he in Stormlight 30 clear 
20, yeah. 25? I already have the dog 30. shard in Stormlight for all we know. 20? I would love nothing more than for um, Sunlit Man to take place like five years after the end of Stormlight. <laughs> That'd be insane. Why? How would that, that, would how be, would that be? I absolutely could no. because like... Well, Kelsier, no, because there's space travel. There is yeah, space there's travel. literally the Night Brigade yeah, shows up in a huge star We know that Stormlight doesn't already have Skadrian space travel at that time? We don't. We somewhat do. How do we know that? Because yeah. it's because somewhere, thank you, Wobbs, again, for right. doing that, we know that Mistborn Era 2 is set like 15 years after Stormlight. Oh, okay. Never mind then. Yeah. So 20 but years. But that's, again, uh, that's not something that's well known. So the way that I always looked at it is this could be like Stormlight back half adjacent because we know that there will be main character point of views in that back half that of characters we know now. And since we're, that's not part of the spoiler list, I won't say who. But we don't know if those characters could become shadows or could figure out a way to get immortality. Right. So we don't know. We just, we just know that mm. it's Space Age. The Night Brigade shows up in a Star Cruiser, but they've also been around for forever. Cool. And... That the, the Skadrians are scientific assholes. So I choose to believe that Kaladin is alive in any book I read until proven otherwise. <laughs> I like my that. heart can't take the alternative. Right. I love fair that. Fair enough, joke. dude. I, I feel like I feel like he's he's dead, dude. I feel like he's happily ever after. I feel like he is alive in my heart. <laughs> Richie, that was brutal. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So now that we now we did our uh, we did our our overall thoughts um let's go into these quick um topics just so we can take this book into little pieces so first comment on the planet canticle and its people okay so so i have a question that i didn't write down that i want to ask the three of you who's the main villain in this book it's the, the sun. It is the sun. Is this, it is absolutely it's the, sun, the sun, my man. It is totally the sun, bro. This planet so, no. is absolutely You're all wrong. brutal. It's, it's the it's the planet itself, right? They even talk about that. The planet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, right, right. That's it's a good the, point. It's the planet, yeah, yes, not Joe, the sun. Fair. Yeah, 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 Joe. Yeah, absolutely right. It's the planet that's pulling the light in, right? Can we ascribe um, villain status to? Essentially inanimate objects. I mean, can you ascribe yeah, the sun and Man v. white nature. Sa- autonomy? Invest the sun in white sands, and I just assume autonomy. Careful, Joe. We're 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 among. I know this shit. Reader no, no, really no, no. I know all of this. Okay. I know a okay. lot I'm about just, Taldane. I'm, I'm just right. saying. I swear in, to God, if we can ascribe the a villain to autonomy, then I can ascribe a villain to this planet. This planet is all right. So this planet or or Trinity, w- where you live? Because I wouldn't say that. All right, we'll talk about that. we'll talk about that. Because <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't call uh, autonomy the villain of White Sands. No, Maybe but he's a, it's a villain. They they're a villain. But yeah, in well, part for sure. Of the alignment of autonomy's intent with um, Wax's sister and Telson. Telson, thank you. Yeah. Sorry, I just meant a villain as a whole in a Cosmere sense, not in White Sands specifically. Yeah. Which I'm not finished yet, so don't spoil. <laughs> but I think that's an interesting question of like, can we ascribe uh, intent and like villain or hero status to splintered shards? Well, yes, yeah. because the Lord Ruler was a splinter and he was a bad dude. And I suspect but evil like, on Threnodyne is also a splinter. I suspect. That's a. That's a. 
not canon. That's just my my guess. <laughs> well, I guess what's the term for um, is it shattered? Like the um, the power on Elantris. What's that called again? Those are splintered power of shards. Splintered. A oh, I'm sorry. He's not a splinter. He's a, He's a sliver. 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 Yeah. My bad. My bad. My bad. Yeah, because I think the spli- like the splintered pieces lack intent. Yeah, lack intent, lack consciousness. Whereas right. the s- slivers have intent and consciousness, so, as do the mm. shards. So can so I think we, right. like, intent is where I would draw the line between... Yeah, them. I think describing the planet as a villain was more comical. Maybe. Honestly. Well, hold on, hold on. We always talk about yeah, investiture. We, already, we always talk about investiture and how it interacts with its... Uh, well, I want to say the planet, but there's a word for this, right? Like... Like, the way investiture appears to Vessel? to people has to do with where the investiture is, right? Like, on Roshar, it appears in one way, in Skadriel, it appears in another, etc., right? So clearly this inanimate object, which it, to some degree it isn't, right? They say everything exists in the spiritual realm and in the cognitive realm, right? So this planet exists in all three realms, and it has... Um, it interacts with investiture in a specific way. Right, it this and that that influences said investiture, and if investiture is the power of the Cosmere, then I think that it can, then it can be a villain, and or with or without intent, I guess. Here's my question around that: Um, If somebody goes and kills somebody, right? And they had a cheeseburger before they did so <laughs> to give them the energy to do so. <laughs> do you describe villain status to the cheeseburger? No, and the gun? yeah, no, no. I, I depends I, I, I get if the cheeseburger was evil. Yeah, right. And wanted and made the person kill someone. The energy as investiture does. No, do no, no, you're right. no, no. There's a Jake. So, but so, if, we then, Jake. if we then learn that the cheeseburgers are the only reason in this universe. That there are guns somehow, I'm going to I'm going to question that. Right, the only reason that we have any of these issues is because of this planet. I just love how we have the villain status of the planet slash sun embodied in a real human. Like that's what the Cinder King is, right? Like they're literally always running right. from the Cinder King. He can mm-hmm. kill them at any time. Like they're at his whim. So like, that's one of the reasons why I kind of feel the Cinder King's obviously the main antagonist, yeah. but he's just the I guess personification of the planet. Yeah, I think evil evil is we're, we shouldn't get uh, <laughs> hung up on the word evil. Right? I asked just one question. Yeah, exactly. In reality, <laughs> in reality, the this planet is really difficult to live on. This is what we're getting at here. Can we talk about and, how small it is? And it's so tiny, tiny as hell. It's just a little guy. Um, so wait, I had a question: uh, Trinity or or Canticle? Which where would you live? Trinity. 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 Depends. Do I have silver? Do I have silver? It's hard to come by. We don't know where you're going to be placed in in (laughs) Trinity. Just get dropped right into the middle of the evil. Yeah. Apparently, the food is better on Trinity than it is on Canticle. So I think that's a compelling. compelling That's a good point, Jack. Um, So another connection, obviously, is is between uh, Trinity and um, Canticle. Uh, These Trinidites travel very far. And they're a little spread out because the night brigade alone are also from from Trinity. And then we've obviously read um, Shadows for Silence in the Forest of Hell, 
we know that they turn into shades and now we get these people on canticle who are clearly a broken off cousin of those people and and call them a culture. conclave or an enclave and they said right. they can control the shades now right and they found a way to put these shades in some sort of cylinder with no top on it and have them work for them and you it's know, it's truly fascinating one of the things i really loved before we get into the chorus is um I loved the way they spoke. I listened, uh, I read this and I also listened to the audiobook, but I loved the greater good and the way that they spoke and they go, I offer this wisdom or I offer this thought. It was just, they're just so respectful. If it pleases you. If, if it pleases you. I just, Very polite I, I think that Brandon really shines when he shows like the intricacies of, of a culture based on their language. And this and is their one of names. Those moments. And their names, right? Adelnasium will remember our play eventually. <laughs> Incredible. It's the yes, best Jeffrey. name in the entire Jeffrey, Cosmere. Jeffrey, Jeffrey. Like, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, bro. I like Jeffrey, Jeffrey a little bit better. <laughs> Solemnity divine. I love how he just keeps referring back to the names when he hears them for the first time, too. He's like, oh my God, Jeffrey, Jeffrey. I, I just, oh. I need to know every Threnodite. Did you guys ever, <laughs> does Truth is Waiting make you think of the code names are stupid from The Lost Idol? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Code names are like, stupid is a Threnodite. That was the first thing I thought of when I heard that. I was like, is this a ghost blood in disguise? But that makes a lot more sense now that you said that. Yeah. Wait, wait. <laughs> James, yeah, um, dude, code, codenames code, are stupid as a, as a codenames, Threnodite. Codenames are. It's a great question, isn't Jake. A, isn't a Threnodite? Codenames are stupid as from Elantris. Yeah. It's from Elantris. I looked. It I up thought just now. she was. Oh, no, damn. no, that is the so daughter. That is the cousin of Serane. Oh right. You'd know this They're, if you read White Sand Graphic now. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> Bro, there are Elantrians on Taldane. <laughs> I just thought that was as soon as I read it. I'm like, this sounds exactly like code names are, stu- are stupid. I yeah. definitely see why that connection was made. I do. It makes me even happier that it was like just a goofy name that she chose to make fun of their convention. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so this planet absolutely crazy. They condense people's souls, infuse them to make sun hearts after they're left out into the sun. They have this culture of just accepting that the old will will have to do this. And another point to how annoying these Scadrians are, they probably already knew that there was a way to not do this, and they did not give this information to them. So these people are just sacrificing their loved ones to create fuel for the planet, to continuously move away from the sun, although we know it's the planet that's pulling the light in. They mentioned, I think it was, I think Sigzil mentioned this at some point, but I thought it was really cool he talks about how maybe before he learns about the Sender King and all like these issues, I think he mentions that uh, he thought that they hadn't developed a world where they can just fight because they're always on the run, and that mm. like uh, they're they're they developed incredible technology in these hoverboards, but have no understanding of basic aerodynamics or yeah. or any of this other stuff, and it just really speaks to how like the your environment will will affect the community's development and like how how yeah, they evolve. That's actually a great point. He he even mentions that he was he's been on planets where they've had really high development but never even invented the wheel. Yeah. At mm-hmm. all. I don't have the quote for that one, but I thought that was It was about a jungle planet, I remember. He yeah. said it wouldn't have made sense, yeah. Um and another, you know, that's a great point. Another another point to Brandon 
and his uh, his culture. What is his thing with hands? <laughs> I what knew is you were his thing bring with up. hands? Right? <laughs> when 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 Nomad discovers a way to get Elegy to start uh, uh, talking again by taking off a little bit of that um, dark investiture or whatever from her um, sun heart, Rebecca takes off her glove and offers her heat to him, and it feels it feels a little sexual. It feels ten. There's we know it is. She hits tension. on him later. Yeah, it is truly amazing. And I like how his response is, "Girl, I'm so old." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. Um, I thought that the the planet and the people were just a really great, really great setting for this story. Do we know exactly how the Cinder King controlled his uh? What did what did they call his hench- the Cinder Hearts. His, well, no, the no, sorry, the, the chart. But they, he used the Cinder Hearts. The, the charge, yeah. But how? The Skadrians gave them to him. They just invested yeah. dark investiture. And they traded with him. Thank yeah, but it's, so it's not. So to answer your question, it's not specifically explained how he can control them. But I correct me if I'm wrong. Elegy finds a way to do the same thing at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was wondering if it was like a power system thing or if it was a technology thing. Yeah, but Elegy doesn't go the full way in. Remember, she like saves Rebecca, Rebecca, and doesn't she? Doesn't get the full heart okay. all the way. They do in. describe this. They describe that it's someone who wasn't fully corrupted by a sender heart, or then can control the chard. Well, they don't go. Oh. They don't go any further in depth by that. Um, but that I believe is exactly what they said because that's why oh, elegy. You're right because it. that's how Rebecca can do it. Oh, oh so it's Re- mm-hmm. it's Re- it's Rebecca who does it, not elegy. Well, but elegy is the one who saves Rebecca Rebecca Rebecca, yeah. from getting getting stabbed the whole way through by that spear. And so she doesn't get the cinder heart like all the way into her chest. And so then she can control the chart. Because I was gotcha. thinking about what you said in a recent episode, Dappert, about whether Ash was a mistborn, whether she was riding the emotions of her henchmen. Like I wondered if this was some kind of like emotional control, but it also sounded like a it sounded like more of a connection thing, especially because the Cinder King was in their heads and able to sort of dominate them, probably due to the amount of investiture that he had mm-hmm. and not being completely corrupted. Yeah, I would like more information about that whenever it's available. I completely do not remember what you're talking about. Who did I say was a Mistborn? Ash, the Herald. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> I liked that theory. That was a good theory. Uh, trash man theory. Shut that. up. <laughs> I thought it was a really cool day, idea, especially because the way they talk about investiture in Sunlit Man and using the breath equivalent units or breath, breath equivalency units made it seem like well where are the parallels between different types of investiture especially because richie you were talking about um weight being uh, a factor in uh, surges on roshar as well as the um alamancy metals on yeah alamancy and well i think that's specifically ferrochemy sorry yeah yeah yeah, it yeah, it's it, it's the yeah, that ax, axiotal connection, right? Where you we're they're controlling. My God, we are nerds, guys. I know, I know. You the just fact used that I the just word axiotal. I meant axial <laughs> connection, axial connection, not axiotal. That's an animal. <laughs> Holy shit! Oh God. Um. So, do you guys have anything else for planet, the planet, and people? We can move on to There's this. There's only two uh, other points segment. I wanted to bring up. One that's very important to the book that we kind of just skipped over. Um, 
is that the entire planet's just constantly being terraformed. And that's the entire part three that we kind of crazy. We, I don't even I don't even I don't know about the science of it. I, I don't mean, know how to touch that. I, Not a clue. All I was gonna say <laughs> is that the entire part three where they're like trying to find the hole in the ground that like I was trying to touch on earlier is because the entire planet keeps getting terraformed. So they never actually can mark down where this hole is. Yeah, where it is. Because everything gets rewritten outside of these massive mountains that even they get rewritten eventually, apparently. It, but, it's, it's so fucking wild. It's so wild. Dude. But that's how hot it is, is that it's literally hot enough that it's melting the bedrock of the planet. Um, I think it's also... How much of it is the heat, and how much of it is the is the investiture? Because a lot yeah. of that is like uh, that's a good point. What's the term? Uh, not I don't think geologic is the word, but basically like the the movement of magma under the surface mm-hmm. and like uh, tectonic and seismic activity yeah. that's contributing to this terraforming, and not just purely the heat. I, I mean, it's a combination because like the investiture and the heat and blah blah blah. But we are such nerds. I think that <laughs> Brando's relates investiture a lot of times to physics at least in a lot of his books there's a lot of physics involved so a release of heat due to investiture being moved is not beyond i think any realm that's the engineer we brought the engineer on for a uh, reason <laughs> it also seems like a lot since a lot of it derives from the earth's core because the core is highly invested and because nice. there's a lot of seismic activity deriving from that um and because we know that investiture creates this impetus to like want to move and want to like do something, like we could be seeing that investiture act on the core of the planet and causing all of this activity yeah. out of just like a need to move and change. And it could. How amazing was it when they get out? They, they go to the storm at the end of the the time, and Nomad's like, "Oh, I'm I'm good with storms, guys. Yeah. I'm complaining <laughs> the planet that's the worst in storms." <laughs> <laughs> that was you came here, you didn't know it was on God fire? Damn. Yeah, like you thought he was gonna walk out into just like rain or something. Like, dude, no, you were literally walking in the damnation. And they were all like, What do you mean Straight you up. didn't know it was on fire? Like it was yeah. just constantly. They, like, that's what a like, storm is to them. Like, that's, that's what storms thing. are, you idiot. Yeah, when in Rome. Um Beyond Fire. The only other thing I wanted to ask about the planet, and this is more of like a uh hypothetical question but what shard do you think invested this planet no idea it could easily be similar to um threnody which is invested by a piece of ambition so it could be something like that no no idea no or it could be the the only shard we don't know right because there's one more there is no shard currently there right they specify that because there's no there is no shard there right because there's no perpendicularity um but I was just curious. It's a it's a good question. Who do you think would be that terrifying that they're just gonna be like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna virtually kill everyone all the time? Shit, I could day. see it being in another autonomy. Maybe it was Zellian. The original Zellian was another autonomy avatar, and he brought them there and was like, all right, good luck. And when he died, but who knows? I could also see it being ambition. I could see it being dominion. I could all of these shards with an intent of change or control. To me, could be yeah. Or that, or that, like I said, that last one, which Dabber shit, it could like, be whimsy, <laughs> bro, <laughs> or mercy. Oh, I like yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's why I said it. But mercy's not there anymore, and that's why it mercy's does this. evil. Maybe there's no more mercy. Oh, Joe, yeah, that's good. I do like ambition as an option, especially because of the connection between like the Threnodites and yeah, I think and moving and still having a connection to the planet and being able to use its investiture. 
Let's talk Nomad. So, yeah, let's talk Nomad, Sigzil, Zellion, and his relationship to Auxiliary. And, and we can just throw in here any other, like, characters that we, that we specifically want to talk about and like. Um, I personally loved Auxiliary. Um, Dapper, you might not know this, but in the audiobooks, he has an accent that I would, I would say, what would you call that, Jake? I'd uh, say, like... Nigerian? West, uh, yeah, like Nigerian or maybe, yeah, because it's not quite South African. Maybe like but he's monotone, right? Yeah, it is described as monotone, but it still has it has this underlay underlying ac- accent. He's the best um, voice in the audiobooks, and it, I will give kudos to William Demerit because that was perfect. It was, it, it, it really brought life to uh, auxiliary, even in the monotoneness of of the, the uh, delivery. I love their relationship together, and. I think we all teared up a little bit when when Ox died, but oh, well, where a part of him died. Um, but the he's last a high remaining sprint, part guys. of his soul. He's a high sprint. He is a high sprint, not what? an honor sprint. What happened to Sigzil's first sprint? An event. Well, it's not the first time we've seen someone bond <laughs> two sprints, right? So. It oh, Shalon bond two different types. Yeah, it but is, they were they were all live sprint. Yeah, I just meant like this is it's it's new ground, but it's not like completely new ground, right? Like true, it, it's true, and we know that bonds can be broken and reforged. I mean, just they're different kinds of bonds, but a Luhel bond is short-lasting but very tight-gripped until it's over. So who knows what happened to that high spren? I could see it being another Teft situation. They end up killing Sigzil's spren. Oh. Maybe. Oh Jesus! Got a hated saying that. that I'm would sorry, be, that guys. Would be I'm real sorry. I want to know how he partially survives, though. This is this is a unique thing that they that they've invented is this partially alive spring. Yeah, you're talking about ox, right? Yeah. Yeah. It this part's a little tricky because if ox is completely gone, how can he still change into different shapes? We know that dead eyes can just be swords, but we don't see them changing into. Maybe so actually, this might be a hint to maybe potentially what Maya could become. Maya, yep, Adeline. I was waiting for that. Yeah, right. The more yep, like yep, aware yep. Maya becomes, maybe Maya can change shape and still be a dead eye. So can, maybe that's a little bit of a hint. Can there. use bond and maybe, oath but do we, to do a we dead eye. Do we see him in the epilogue do that? Because I thought he came back as a sword. He did. No, we see him right. do that at the beginning. No, 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 he, no. We know that he's partially alive still. He's dead, but he's partially there throughout the entire book. No, 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 book. sorry. I mean the beginning of the end. Once he's dead, right, he, he comes back as a sword. Yeah, he's still, Right, he's but still yet he's still a held as a shield on Canticle. But he, I thought he was still alive to. on Canticle. And he the died, moment that he gives him the Skybreaker bur- like break. Because the way that I viewed it was he gave up the remaining the remainder of his investiture of ox's investiture in order to give um give sigzels the power give him the shard plate and blah 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 and so when he did that he was gone and i think the reason why he somewhat survived is it sounds like sigzel didn't break his, his oath with ox the dawn shards sapped him uh. sort of like drained him of his investiture and mm. So, because it wasn't the same thing as like you broke the bond, I have died because of that severing of the connection. There's still like, a bond. I, I got you. My former self mm. because my investor has been taken away. It's a great way to put it. Think, like Nightblood. Are Spren. Do Spren grow through some sort of turning their bond into investiture? 
like are they becoming invested by the Luhel bond from the people that they bond and that's by the Nahel bond in the Nahel bond because like sorry thank you um, because like the fact that Ox lost some of his personality through losing his investiture but did not die well, and that Sill's personality becomes more complex and others yeah. spread their personality become more complex as they're the more bonded, bonded. yeah the more bonded they are that's a great that's a great point I th- I mean I think they mentioned that right in Way of Kings not not with the investiture uh, aspect of it but you as you bond more you gain more of a personality right so yeah. the weakening of a bond you would lose that I think we see that with Sill but can you bond a dead sprint that's not a no I, I don't expect that's the answer a question to be no for that's a, a good Rafa exactly that's a question for Adolin to figure mm-hmm. out because you cannot deny that it is a connection capital C to Maya. And we see Maya develop over the course of that book. And a personality. See her participate in the katas and then be able to speak, which she could not do before. Oh, we chose. We cho- Shout oh. out, Maya. So maybe. Oh, okay. Back, back to, <laughs> <laughs> back, to back to the character, the characters. Um, one, one other point I have is that I know I mentioned that I wanted Sigzel to become more of an uh, old Sigzel, um, but he did have some really funny moments. Um, in his deadpan delivery, and one of them was when he finally discovers how to get uh, a little bit of that issue out of the sun heart for Elegy. Um, Rebecca is like freaking out and shit, and he just it, it, the quote is literally, "Well, well," Nomad said, tossing the glowing sun heart onto the table. That worked. <laughs> he began <laughs> making notes. I just thought that was so hilarious. It just How, has like, like no actual connection <laughs> to no, the no craziness. No, does not <laughs> care about what's happening. Just just focus on like we said before, trying to find a way to to get the torment out of him. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really funny. And he kind of does. He kind of succeeds. I mean, he eventually throws a sword near someone. Yeah, I think he does succeed. He he does uh, succeed in getting that specific um, ailment uh, from holding the Dawn Shard out. So now he can fight yeah. again. Briefly, very briefly, yeah. it comes back. He has to keep doing it. I think. I think. I don't know. That was the vibe that really? I got. Really, I thought he permanently got rid of it, dude. That was also my impression because the issue he had with fighting later on was that the Cinder King had the weights sapped his investiture and with the yeah with the the weights that were taken away. It still didn't seem like he could fight at that time, though. I, Agreed. I, don't know. I, do, I think he he had more freedom, but he wasn't able to like swing a punch at someone. Still, it didn't. I didn't get that vibe. At least, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, it was. It sounded to me like he was wasn't locking up like he was before. His yeah, that's what I got too. By the lack of investiture. Maybe it's up to our interpretation. Yeah. 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 We'll find out. Another 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 character, uh, the Cinder Ten King. Years. So with the Cinder King. Um. Yeah, like Jake was saying, I was I was kind of disappointed in how he sounded, um, <laughs> in the audiobooks. Uh, he sounded kind of nasally and kind of like petulant. I uh, thought he was a child. Yeah. Petulant. Uh, and even and even if you didn't hear the audiobook, he was a very generic villain. Mm-hmm. Um, he was. There. I mean, the, I get the story moving super fast, and we can't focus on it, anything. And and we've had Lord rulers in the past, and it's it's tough to come up with something new but the or cinder better king than was the lord not, ruler the cinder king like, was not it yeah 
And the Cinder King didn't even need to be better than the Lord Ruler. You know, it's a smaller planet. It's fewer books to take him down. Like, <laughs> you could cut corners still, but... Honestly, the Cinder King doesn't even seem fully necessary. He could have been replaced with just a group of people who had this mindset. Um, I, I just don't think he was that memorable at all. No, like he's Kaji one of the weakest. He just had a stronger will and didn't even need much of a personality. Yeah. It's didn't yeah. it sounded kinda like when they were talking with the the Skadrians, um that they didn't necessarily choose him, but he was just the person who was available. So I <laughs> Right. Um villain of convenience. Yeah, so I feel like he's a he's a a body of their their building. You know, like they were just like here, like and they were okay yeah. with it and it worked out. Like, who wrote reminded me of Weevil from Yu-Gi-Oh? I did. Yeah. That's so that is when I when I hear the voice and I described him as like childish and petulant. I it, and then he cheats. He reminds me of Weevil when he takes away the like when he slips Exodia. in when he takes away Exodia or he slips in to Joey's deck the parasite card. He's always stacking this the This is a deep cut, bro. He's always yeah, stacking is, the deck. This is a little crazy. Against his opponents. He, they mentioned that when he fights other Chard, when he fights other Cinderhearts, when he fights Nomad, all of this. He's just like, I can't win on I my own merits, so we're gonna we're gonna cheat, and uh, I'm gonna sound like a little kid while I do it, and uh, <laughs> there's nothing you can do to stop me, kind of thing. Like, like wait, wait, so, wait, wait. So for readers, <laughs> my God, so for oh, Jesus. For readers like me, really I've never heard his voice. I also thought he was he was probably the weakest character of the entire book, no doubt in my mind about that, and probably one of the worst villains we've ever gotten, but I also think he's one of the best villains we've ever gotten, but just, just for one specific um, reason, and yeah. actually kind of a villain of convenience is a good way to bring it up, but he was just so curious and wanted to know so much about not just controlling Canticle, but the Cosmere. And yeah, he wanted to control the information. He's a, he's a villain. He's a bad guy. But he had the Ars Arcana. He found the luck through the hidden Skadrian people. And he just, he was like, I know about this in your world and your Yeah, your but his cockiness Cosmere. was, like you said, Gavilar levels of, yeah. of, of stupidity. He's um, an idiot. He's a, he's a, he's a bad villain. For, for the Kremlings, that is a reference to the Stormlight 5 prologue. Once again, I will recommend reading that on the Dragonsteel... Uh, website Stormlight Five Prologue. Just search it, and there's well, there's the the reading of it. And, and that's why I describe him as a mix of an angrier Elokar, who's a terrible king and an idiot, and just always concerned with himself and control, and a stupider Telson and Trell, because he's not smart about what he's trying to do. He has no real end goals other than control, and he. he I loved the villain who's like kind of stupid and doesn't really know what he's up against. I just I don't know maybe it's a it's a yeah. trope we don't get no, that I much. I get it. It just felt like Marvel villain of the week for me. Uh, mm-hmm. It felt it felt like a Marvel TV show villain, <laughs> like not even a, <laughs> not even a movie villain. That's, um, that's harsh. And it's a testament to how I invested I was in Sigil's story that I still really Fair. really love the book. Honestly. Well, that's why I think the main villain's the planet. I think yeah. as a villain, he did it. He wasn't shooting high enough. I get it's a small planet. He's just like. Of course I'm the strongest. I'll always be the strongest. Like, there's nothing you can do. I'm going to rule everything. And he might have been curious, but I don't think he really was curious. He just wanted the stuff so that he could continue and expand his rule True. there. 
Yeah, there was no it's just Cosmere like a- after seeing the Lord Ruler, after seeing the things like fucking Susbron can do. Like, Holy crap! Well, he's not her- a villain. Her- not no, not of course, but Hraithen and that whole thing in Cell. Like, as a very Cosmere aware book, it's a very uncosmere aware villain. Exactly, and that's maybe why I liked it. Right, that kind of dichotomy. He he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's fighting against. And no, like he's literally joke. trying to beat. Nomad, who is a immortal former Dawn Shard holder, two oathed Knights Radiant. Two and oaths is crazy. <laughs> is crazy. I wonder about the, the Scadrian scientists and their being complicit with the Cinder King because they really enabled him to be as much of a problem as he was. Like, they, if it weren't for his partnership with them, he wouldn't be as aware. He wouldn't be as empowered. Yeah. And it's like he was all. I think that's. I think that's part of his design too. I think is partly to implicate the Scadrian scientists for their partnership with him and willingness to look the other way while he ravaged the planet's population. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and another to that point, Scadrians, the true villains of this book. Um, and I don't necessarily want to paint section. with like such a broad brush that we're like all of Scadrians, but certainly like no, of course, these of course. Scadrians all Scadrians are on some like <laughs> colonialist shit. Dude, they don't give a fuck. They showed up and they are studying everything. They had they had jars of the door <laughs> on Canticle. They they were doing their I mean, they were wa- and they were watching everything. They too. are clear as mm-hmm. dairy, terrible people. And the the sad thing about it is that they saved the entire planet as well by being there. And when I say that, they eventually, not them, but their technology and their discovery of how to recharge the Sun Hearts has now allowed that planet not to have to sacrifice their people. Um, Nomad did eventually figure it out without their help. The woman just kind of confirmed it for him. I mean, sort of. Yeah, I think he needed to like be there and see her research in yeah. order to get the last piece. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. But I think it's like... I just meant it's a side I, effect of how science works often. It's like you don't necessarily know what like the, the long-term effect, maybe short-term in right, this case. Right, right. If, if no right. chard, then no nomad eventually figuring it. So. Yeah, and I do think that the technology was the make or break for this planet, and they... They did technically save the planet because they because they put the technology there, but at the same time they could have saved them a lot sooner and more thoroughly had they been active in in trying to save them rather than just oh well we have this connection to this Cinder King and like this will be a way for us to minimize our involvement but still get what we need, you know. And you know what? Nomad guaranteed future wars by putting guns on ships. Yeah. Oh yeah, he, he revolutionized he, warfare. I forgot he yeah he did. I forgot about that small part of this book. <laughs> I mean, it's really I mean the two page part of this book. It's like the introduction. This is like a vast jump, but it's like the introduction of like nuclear weapons to this planet, essentially, right? Like, right. Like, you've now revolutionized warfare, but also like energy, right? The the side effects of discovering nuclear power is such a Unintended. And a renewable source, the renewable source of energy. I, I feel like right. Canticle, can't, Canticle can step onto the world stage, the universe stage soon. Sooner. I wonder if Rubik yeah. is, as the new sunlit one, with the power to control the chart, is immortal. 
I wonder if she has that much investiture. I don't know. That, that is definitely not touched on. I, I do wonder about the war, um, the war claim because they're still on a planet that. Um, it's not a very serious claim, Jim. <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm not. I'm not. I am <laughs> very concrete. I take every claim seriously. Um. Well, while we're, while we're on the topic of, of uh, Scadrians, um, they asked Nomad if he had oaths, if he or if he was unoathed. What it, that tells me that there's a potential that Roshar is okay, and that there are still Spren, and that there are still people who are bonding them. Well, but there are that's also why he people who are home. not and traveling. True, but he brings up that he could physically go home. He doesn't because he knows it'll lead the Night Brigade there, and he wants to protect his friends. And his loved ones. Which so someone's alive. How powerful still exists. is this Night Brigade then? That's what's really crazy then, right? Now well, that brings we us to the Night Brigade. About them. Let's yeah. go to the Night Brigade. <laughs> so who the fuck are these people <laughs> from Trinity um, clearly searching for the Dawn Shard for their own means um, and are going, like, work this out with me backwards through the holders of it so they're trying to get to Sigzil so that they can get to who he gave it to? Because if that was the case, why wouldn't they go for Hoyd? No, I think they're trying to get to Hoyd, I thought. Eventually, I think. That's, yeah, because yeah. he mentions that no, they could... No, that's not how I read it. I think you read it different. Yeah, you definitely read it differently than... Because the, he definitely... There, this has been, a, this has been a, a point of debate I've seen he that people don't understand. definitely mentions... Whether or not it's phrased exactly like this, he definitely mentions that if he gets to me, they will be able to then connect to me you. to Hoyd. Yeah, and that that and then is they'll a be big able deal. to connect it to the holder of the Dawn chart. Right, and that's a big deal. So that brings up the question of: Did Sigzel hold the Dawn chart, then give it back to Hoyd, so that Hoyd could give it to someone else? Well, I well don't okay, think but that could the I, Night Brigade take Hoyd? We don't know. I mean, the man's a light weaver. He's a mistborn. He's an Elantrian. He's like, how powerful could are they these take guys? him? I don't know. They got shades. That's all we know. And they can control them, riffs. right? But I, yeah, but I'm just trying to understand how what their process is because I don't, so, I don't get. R- Richard, well, they're mercenaries I, too. They're working for someone. They mentioned though the Thidakar, I bet. They definitely mentioned the. Getting from getting to Hoyd, they can get to the Dawn Shard, right? But if the logic is that he held the Dawn Shard and then he gave it back to Hoyd, right? That would imply then that in order to get onto Sigsil's trail, they had already gotten onto Hoyd's trail, <laughs> right? And that I don't think would maybe. I think that that kind of throws us in this weird like circle. I suspect that I don't know how they got onto Sigsil's trail, but it yeah, cl- how did they get on his trail? In the but first it clearly I think is pointing towards them. If they get Sigzil, they'll get to Hoyd, and that's like the the dangerous spot to get to, I think. Didn't he say that he got on the Night Brigade's radar by trying to help? And oh no, he turned himself into them. Really? Because he thought the it would first be time. a misunderstanding. Uh, that's how I think that's how they got on his trail. And he okay. ran away. Yeah. But I see. I think that if they did, I could see them having got to Hoyd. And then not killing him because he's Hoyd, <laughs> and so then going for Sigzil. And I could I could see Hoyd giving up Sigzil. I can see it. I can easily see it. Like oh, I don't got that anymore. That's uh, it's my old apprentice. It's a guy named Sigzil. He's yay tall. <laughs> but what do you need to is the question. 
Like, would they would they pose enough of a threat to him, and would he just be able to run away rather than give up? And how does that fit into Hoyd's plan, right? Hoyd does everything based upon his master plan. Right. Save the Cosmere. And then who? And then the the ultimate question is also who did Sigil give the Dawn Shard to? Mm. Yeah. Right. And which Dawn Shard is this? Yeah. And it's one that shot? is wholly unopposed to violence. That is all we know. Yeah. It's, and, so it's probably not changed. And where is it currently? Is like prior to this, right? Like does Hoyd just have it? Is it stored somewhere? Like I doubt it, because he made it seem like the person that he gave the shard to and Hoyd were two different people. Like if it, yeah. if he had given it back to Oh Hoyd, no no, I don't mean in the current way. sorry, I jumped back to Stormlight. I'm thinking like it, like in present day, a, where where did Wit just decide to hide this Dawn shard? You can hide it in inanimate objects. We know that. And now we get into like theories. Does he go get that to try and deal with Todium, and that's what leads him to having to pass it on to to Sigzil at thirty eight. Sigzil, yeah, I could see that. That's a good question. It's a good question. And Kaladin dies somewhere in because Todium figures out man. that this weapon. <laughs> Because Todium's like, hey, I can shatter other shards with this weapon so much easier. And then Wit's like, holy fuck, I can't, like, give this to him. I, I brought a nuke here, shit, here. Like, let me, let me get rid of this now again. Well, Joe, that does lead to a big theory I do have. And, and then I think we get back to this sure, book. Yeah, yeah. But I do think Hoyd makes a mistake in this next book. In, in Stormlight 5... I think Hoyd makes a big mistake because they've kind of been foreshadowing Hoyd maybe making a mistake for a while with him in the contract. Did I mess up? Did I fuck up him in the epilogue of Rhythm of War, losing his memories? So I I do think something's going to happen. We know an event happens in the next book that probably causes Sigzil to maybe somehow get in this situation. So we'll have to find out. We'll have to read and find out. we, We don't even know if it's the next book. We don't know if it's Stormlight 5. I hate you for even saying that. So Please, we, I don't want to wait. Uh, <laughs> can we talk about how crazy it is that in the epilogue, the Night Brigade comes down and they're like, they're like, uh, we shouldn't really br- blame the locals. They're just like here. And he's like, you know, half the reason to blame them is that they're here. And like, I don't exactly, that's not the correct wording, but essentially like that they're going to torture or destroy or inflict harm. They got some rage to take out. Everyone yeah, but- in their path. But yeah, and I think that they decided also to go easy because they're they they literally mentioned these are cousins of ours, which is just wild to yeah. think about. Like they're just traveling, first of all, through space, mm-hmm. which means right? that they got Not, tech, that they got which, money, yeah, which means they have the tech. Investiture, yeah. all of it. Um, uh, and um, and they have shades that they can control, which somebody mentioned already, which just is just crazy, wild, right? And we know now that shades can be controlled, which actually makes a lot of sense when you think about it because... I mean, hemallergic spikes, right? Hemallergic spikes? What do you mean? Wait, whoa, 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 what? We already know that you can, like, trap a shade, like, in bodies with spikes, right? Oh, oh, and, oh, oh, And you oh, can control gotcha. people like who a, have a cognitive spikes. shadow. Yeah, okay. shades are cognitive <laughs> shadows, though. So. Yes, yes, they are. Yes, they are. So I just meant we've seen I other ways to control them, like... And we've also seen shades, cognitive shadows, spren spirits from Yumi and the Nightmare Painter become objects. Yeah. Mm. Right. Um, this is just another connection to that, which are these the chorus being able to create anything as long as they get a blue, get a blueprint. 
And I think even auxiliary points out and is, raw materials. Is it, and raw materials. And auxiliary points out is it is it even is it weird considering what I can do? <laughs> and it's true. We've seen throughout the Cosmere these spirits are cognitive um, shadows becoming weapons or objects based on out of nothing which is amazing and because there's such an emphasis on intent especially when it comes to um sigil's torment and not being able to turn ox into certain objects because they would be dangerous and cause harm my best guess would be that the shades on this planet being sort of like a creepy 3d printer are given sort of the blueprint and the raw materials and use the intent to and it, it also doesn't seem like they're being being given investiture which is interesting so what yeah. is powering that transformation aside from their intent something about the way ambition scarred the Threnodite's soul when it was killed something about that led to how every Threnodite every Threnodite it's crazy, dude. Threnodites are Shade, d- are wild. Well, that we reveal... don't know if Ambition did it or if Odium did it to Ambition, but something... No, no, no. We know that Threnody got invested by a wound on Ambition while Mercy, Ambition, and Odium fought across the space. Yeah. And so it didn't... They didn't stay in that area. It's from a wound of Ambition's investiture, and that wound is uncontrolled and probably dangerous. It's Ambition. And that, in my opinion scarred threnody led to the evil led to shades led to shadows for the shadows for silence in the forest of hell and made threnodites pretty dangerous yeah i just know you don't know if odium is the or mercy did that or if ambition wounded them in the process right like if ambition wounded themselves yeah i mean wounded the planet in the process of the fight or if odium wounded Ambition, ambition, and that was yeah, the I get you. was the outcome of that. Would a wound on a planet cause a spiritual change like that? I think so, depending on your connection to the planet. Because I guess we do see that in Elantris. And remember, their battle yeah, right, is, their battle is, is on their battle is is on all three realms, really. Ooh. And it's. Yeah, right? What a so thought. It's not just the physical. <laughs> so here's a question I've always had, and I think I asked you this once, Richie, and you weren't able to answer it. Can all the shards on the spiritual realm, which is like a singular point it's described as, right? Can all the shards just see all the shards in the spiritual realm? Probably. That would be very consistent with like other fantasy depictions of things like that. Even like in... Um in Naruto, with the uh, place where the tailed beast meet, yeah. there's also um, yeah. I I don't know. That's a little tough because well, you know what, they the we, way they talk to each other is tough. Like they we know that shards can speak to each other, which mm-hmm. means that they have a way to traverse fast distances. Yeah. yeah, to communicate. I don't which know how they do the it, and I don't think realm. Brandon. I don't think Brandon's going to dive into the spiritual realm, actually. He wants to keep it vague, so he won't go into that. (laughs) Well, he wants to keep the beyond. We've already seen... Because they were all once one. We've seen very early on, I think in Elantris, you see faster than light travel, right? Like, that's what the Sions do with, like, uh, Mm. uh, the communications. So we already know it exists. Yeah, they teleport. Well, I just want to say... I think maybe the only glimpse, and I don't think it'd be named, that we get into the spiritual realm is during an ascendancy. Namely, Teravangians. 
Cultivation almost immediately talks to him. Yeah, invites him out. Is that right. they're in the spiritual realm specifically of Roshar? Are they in the spiritual realm that covers all of the Cosmere all at once? We don't know. We, I, I just don't know. And we can diverge a lot here. And we That's have, a great point, up. But Teravangium, I think, express or like mentions like how vast it is and how much he's seeing, and then he notices cultivation a little bit. And that's yeah. right. It's like a, I noticed there's someone else here, but I'm wondering if he looked hard enough. Would he notice all other? How many Everything. shards are there? Or left? is it just a solar? Or just a solar solar system right. thing? Yeah. yeah, that's a good question. Especially because when we see Kelsier in the spiritual realm and him encountering um, the cognitive the realm, Lord right? Ruler and then preservation. Those are the cognitive yeah. realm, though, right? Was it the cognitive realm? That's where Kelsier about when he goes. Was by the, You're talking, talking about Well about of Ascension. Was, yeah, at the Well of Ascension. I'm, yeah, I'm talking about secret the, history. The, yeah, I'm talking about secret history. Not when he was traveling through the cognitive realm and met those people. I'm talking about when Wit kicked his ass next to the to the well. That's in the cognitive realm. That's in the cognitive realm. Yeah, too? I didn't yeah, think he yeah, had shows up on a body. We have never seen the spiritual realm outside okay. of. I thought the Teravangian conversation that sounded like it was spiritual realm, but maybe. I'm but wrong. it's that's not a, named. It, yeah, that's a, it's that's it, a good point. I don't know where they are when they have that conversation. I only know that. Hmm, I only know that Teravangian kills rays in the cognitive realm. Yes, with Nightblood. Because because Nightblood appears shows there. itself yeah. in the cognitive realm, and that's where Terravention kills Reese. Now his ascending that could also just take place there. I don't because I don't know. Well, we've got a lot of I, anyway, I don't know. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> how right, about well, we? Particularities connect all three realms. Yeah, that's yes. what they say. Yes, they do. Okay. Okay, so uh, we talked about the chorus. So now. We can move on to... Um, I mean, we already have been doing this. Yeah. <laughs> we've, done, we've done a lot of... The, the callbacks and the references to Stormlight and the Cosmere are just amazing. I mean, they're just... They're all over. When he asks himself if he's a little bit airsick, <laughs> I That's one of my, my phone That's got to be my fav- one of my favorite ones. <laughs> and he's like, no, no way. That's not a thing. I love all um, the storms. Every time he mentions storms. It's so good. Um, another great, a great, great addition that we didn't know, right? I'm gonna read this one. Investiture responded to human thought. It wasn't technically energy or matter, but it could become either. Investiture, energy, and matter were all one, as per Chris's second law. It could be created or destroyed. It couldn't be created or destroyed. It could only change from one state to another. It's so fucking awesome to see that Chris has a law in place. She's the Newton for the She's universe. Newton. She's literally she Newton, the yeah. Isaac Newton of the Cosmere. That's incredible. I think like, that means a little bit more to the three of you. I do know. I know about Silverlight. I know about Chris. Whatever. Mm-hmm. No, trust me. You've 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 known as much as everyone else is going to know about Chris here. But it, the fact that. The fact that I, I want to know more I, about I her story, that, though. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know more about her story. I want to know how invested she is or was. Is she still alive? She literally has a law <laughs> of investiture. <laughs> she's got more than one. This is the yeah, second. She's law. got more than one. <laughs> <laughs> I love the the overlap that Brandon's making between like fantasy and and science. I think yeah. that that is something that's really hard to do. And he continues to push the boundaries of science as he's moving us forward in the timeline. And yeah. you still get the fantasy aspect of it 
as he's introducing technologies that otherwise wouldn't have existed. And this is like a good example of, of clearly in the past at some point, Chris writes more books, maybe it's in the Arcanum, who knows, but, and describes these laws. And it just takes me back to like middle school learning about physics. And I think that that is really bold of him and will we'll have to see like how it how it ends up working yeah we're gonna we're gonna move into like science fiction we're going straight into science fiction in the future of the cosmere Hell and yeah. rhythm of war also clearly is showing that with navani a studies, lot of engineering is, yeah a lot of yeah. bit primitive and primitive fantasy engineering and yeah in like rhythm i don't know war. if you could call yeah. fabriel's primitive <laughs> primitive in a sense that like Compared to what they should have, it's primitive. That's. I love that he even makes a comment about that in the, somewhere in this book about how I think we've already even talked about it. Other planets have developed super far, and people knew about space travel for forever, but it was just not convenient, so they never explored it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my f- one of that's probably a top point of this book is like you get to see someone who's so aware with people who are so unaware. And the the relationship that that creates as he's kind of like maybe not neglecting, but um, shows a lack of caring at times, and then a lot of caring at times to their their opinions and their thoughts. Because a lot of it's like oversights, like the storm. He's like, oh, I can deal with the storm, like la la. Yeah. Just completely didn't ask any questions. Didn't he was like, this is like easy peasy. Where if he would have asked questions, it would have been smart. But at the same time, there's like other things where he's like trying to get rid of his torment. And he's like experimenting with investiture science that they probably... He would have to explain in immense detail to actually give them concepts of BEUs and etc. Yeah, like we were talking about before, the environment in which you live and are raised influences your development of, pe- of technology, inclu- influences like... The conventional wisdom that you develop and like yeah of course storms are on fire they're they're always on fire here and the landscape is always changing this is how things are for us and you don't get to see like a, a futuristic person dropped however far back you would want to date their technology you don't get to see that back time travel too often i'd say yeah can yeah, i also sure. mention the little thing they did in the book that i appreciated whenever he talked about um how many planets he would visit he would always say tens which felt like a nod to um like the tenth shard being or because because roshar has that whole thing about roshar is all 10, about right? 10 yeah because like normally it'd be like dozens but i thought that was cute that did he kept saying tens yeah by the way also now, a call back. there's a there's a word of brandon where it says that there might be more so there I might be more like 10 is the revolving number on roshar but we know really the cosmere number is 16 so, um, I think I read somewhere that someone asked about, like, relating to the ten forces, or what are they called? Um, the ten essences. No, not essences. Essences. The, the surges? Yeah, the surges. And he said, are there ten, or something along those lines? Um, mm. So Interesting. We found more metals. Were, yeah, because they thought they were, like, twelve initially, right? Right, so. Uh, another another random point. Um <laughs> <laughs> this is really random. Sigzil is taller than everybody else, but from a Lethe standpoint, he's short. <laughs> he's short, yeah. Which is fucking wild. A seven foot tall short man. How tall the 
the Alethi are compared to like Dalinar is like people. seven foot three. They're all and Kaladin's like, seven foot seven and they're feet. All built like the Rock. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Which means yeah. Rock is like eight feet. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. Like the Knicks need a eight center, guys. Feet. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and it makes them like ten feet with shard plate on. Like they're yeah. literal walking monsters. tanks. Yeah, absolute monsters, dude. Um, so back to like the uh, callbacks. Um, another one that w- I thought was really fun. Ox uh, and Sigzil are having a conversation about space travel, and they say, "How much liquid oxygen you got handy, <laughs> right? And how about kerosene, rocket fuel? It's not common stuff, Ox. I doubt we could put anything together in time, and I know of no sources of Zephyr ether on this planet. Do you?" Sigzil is tress aware. He's tress aware. <laughs> He's aware of the planet Lumar, which is awesome. Which means that, um, and I think uh, this is a wob that Zephyr was going to be a um, a big point of space travel for for space travel in the future. You said that to us today, Richie. Oh, I did. Right, or was it yesterday? Whatever the words of Brandon that you sent us recently, they they contain that they, one. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, 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 that was from the Shardcast interview that I, uh, I listened to recently. But yeah, dude, Zephyr and and Lumara taking its way on the big stage for space travel. You can oh, you just always link in Tress. You love that book. It's crazy. <laughs> well, the Aethers are such a unique concept, and I think that that's a good thing to involve more and more in the Cosmere. Oh, and I think we're gonna get a lot more about Aethers in the very near future. I very yeah. much do. Did you read the word of Brandon about the White Sands and the Aethers? Depends on how, how was it one from the one how today? similar they are, and how there's a there's a myth of what is it a twelfth one that might be white or black, um, which just describes the sand exactly. And yeah, uh, there's an there's an Aether on Lumar that is similar to the sand of Taladin. And the question was like, did autonomy just like corrupt an Aether? And he was like, that's a Ratho. So, you know. Nice. Doesn't mean yes, though. I know. Doesn't mean yes. I'm just saying. All right, we're moving on to big moments. Big moments that have happened in the, in the book. All right, and then we can get into, in, in, towards uh, the end here. Um, I'm going to pick one of these that I loved personally. It's got to be the, the everyone giving their warmth to Nomad. Right? And at first, he doesn't think it's going to work because he's not connected to the planet and the cinder king tried at the beginning of the book to do this and it didn't work but we learn through this book that intent and the words you use behind it have incredible meaning and when they tell nomad that he is officially a beaconite they say you are part of this world he says i accept and it works they're able to give him his warmth he is permanently connected to the planet of canticle that was a beautiful reveal and i have no idea what it means for the for and he the loves Cosmere it too general. like he starts calling himself zellian that's the p- point of view that we get is no longer nomad it's zellian and i found that really really wonderful absolutely it's just a beautiful moment it is I didn't because you know what? he's always been running he doesn't have a family past him and ox I'm gonna. Like yeah, it. I'm gonna cut cut in real quick there. I felt like this was almost a a plot hole to some degree. Um, oh no! Why? Only because he should have already known this. 
He's he's Sigzil. He's been to tens of worlds. He he's already tens. Nice. He's already had to. He knows the intent and the words you use matter. The the oaths he says are words with intent, and they matter. Like uh, his entire world that he grew up on is all about the words that you say and the intent that you use. But I will I will say this, I this is a unique situation though, right? He's able to skip throughout different planets sure. and use connection to speak to them, but they are able to grant him this access. Yeah. And I maybe because he's traveling and moving on the run for so long, he hasn't stayed anywhere long enough to figure this part out. I think he also hasn't wanted to, because I think and this a, is a moment that's more about connection than it is. I think it's about connection as much as it is about intent, because... It's also like him accepting that connection, I think, is a big piece mm. of it. It's one thing for them to be like, hey, we accept you. We want you to yeah. be part of it because they've been doing that through the whole and book. They, they might have done that in many planets. And he's probably just been like, that's bullshit. I got to go anyway. You know, and then it just runs away. Right. Maybe. I just meant that, that, that I like that. That's a good way to think of it. I just meant from a from a plot standpoint of him needing to move this investiture. Right. It, he should already know that this is, th- these are the this is the recipe, and I felt like it took too long to to get there. But he's not all knowing though. So. And this also is a different way that he's established connection to the planet before, because before he's just burned investiture in order to mm-hmm. connect to it so That's they can understand the language. And um, does it say if he's used establishing a connection to the planet when he's visited other planets before in order to oh, use yeah. their investiture? He has with the investiture, but not to use the investiture. I think just to know their it's language. To, and it's also, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's just, just, just for language. Okay. Maybe, maybe it's the fact that he can use the investiture, investiture Joe. Yeah. Maybe yeah, that's the thing yeah. that really stands out. You're right. I What I'm trying to get at is after however old he is and all the time that he's done and everywhere he's been, and this is a basic concept of investiture that we've seen before that I feel like like he should know. That's all. Fair enough. Fair enough. But we do know that we do know that he also is kind of running away from the old Sigzel, where he That's wants a good to know this. So he wants to know this. Stuff. So maybe it's suppressed. That's fair. Also, could be. Could be. Because you're specifically talking about the like, if he and the locals of the planet verbally, intentionally establish a connection that will allow him to use the investor. You're saying he should know that part. Yeah. Who would be his like source for that knowledge? Because I think Hoyd's the only other person who's like hopped amongst enough worlds and spent enough time to establish connections where he could test that theory. Well, Hoyd's a great ex- Hoyd is the pinnacle example, right? That's that's. So like, would a. Hoyd just tell him that? Because <laughs> it well, doesn't sound like he did. No, maybe I don't know, but he's clearly he clearly has had yeah. experience with investiture from numerous other planets. Um, right. We're in the space age. Um, yeah, he definitely knows there's a way to be connected to a planet, convince the planet, if you will, that you're from that planet. Right. Yeah. Sigzel has to know that there's a way to do that. Otherwise, I think the su- the surprising part though is that how this one happened. I think. And I think he doesn't gone through the people before. N- yeah. I just meant he doesn't. We're at the stage where we're not even we use BEUs to talk about investiture. But we're not really talking about the different types of investiture, right? We're talking investiture as a general concept at this point in the Cosmere, right? And 
I think the concept that he hasn't got an investiture from other planets before, meaning getting and to get it, I assume he would have to be connected to the planet to get that planet's investiture, right? It, there's no way that he's been skipping this long without recharging. No, and that's, absolutely. That's I what think I'm that getting. He, get, like, yeah, I agree. he can I absorb obses- investiture. It's I a, think that a he definitely can get the, those investitures from different planets, and I think that he does that by just being highly a highly invested individual where he can just probably form that connection to the planet. Well, I, right? think it, I think it also has to do with his... My guess is that it has to do with his Dawn Shard, that that's part of why he can absorb that's investiture. What I, that's what I said, yeah. He yeah. physically can do that because right. of but the Dawn Shard. Th- but but this, okay. way, this way is that he... And by saying I accept, he just uh, for a moment truly believes that he he's like connected in, connected to these people. I also think that like this is an interesting situation because it's a good theory. The planet's investiture is particularly hard to absorb. Like it's not like on um, Elantris where the door is just kind of like giving it away if you have the right symbols, or on Roshar where it's like oh just wait for the high storm. It's like, oh, go out into the sun that will kill you and hope that you survive. And that depends on the shard that invested it, and that we don't know. Yeah. And I think also because he's not getting investiture from the planet in that moment, but from the people, and even when, even after establishing that connection, he's still not able to just absorb the sunlight as investiture. But we've seen this with breaths, right? Like, this is this is the concept. Everyone with... Yeah, yeah good point, Everyone Joe. with good breaths... Point. Right, they, it's a command. Yeah, it's a command with an intent. Right, and, ev- yeah. but that's, and that's because of endowment. It, but that's getting yeah. it from the people. It's endowments investiture, just like the sh- whatever shard invested this planet. No, but but the ability to do that, to give a breath, you to don't someone, think that's because the, of the uh, because of endowment. No doubt in my mind. We've talked about this on the podcast. I think Richie was the one. I who must have missed me that this. one. But I thought that was only the special breaths. Um, no, 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 no. That's 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 the that's endowments like magic system. Yeah, endowment just doesn't care who has control of the investiture that she gives the people of but Malthus. Are we not learning then? Okay, so I interpreted this the opposite way then, and what we're getting at then I think is a not a contradiction, but are we then learning from this book? You're saying that with with intent and perp and connection, you can do that regardless of endowment. Is that no, I think, I think it, it's important because we don't know who this from. is. I, I think some shards are easier to draw from than others, and I think yeah. that okay. it's easier to draw. I think it's harder to draw from a person, or like the ability to draw from a person is a separate variable. Oh, mm-hmm. and and you know maybe it was endowment that endowed this world, and that's why he was able to get the heat from them so easily. Yeah, we don't know. Be, there might be a connection there because there are certain words. Because he even when he's studying um, the sun hearts. It, Ask them if there's some sort of ritual that it's they very use similar. To, move, to move it back and forth. Um, specific words, yeah. There it's are very words. similar to the breaths and endowment and how all of Nalthus tech works. So it easily could be like that. But right. I think the big thing is that since we don't know the source of this investiture, and I don't think Sigzil knows the source of it, he was able to gain the connection by free will basically, of the people. And that's similar to breaths, but not similar to most of the other investiture sources we know. And so that's why it definitely stands out, because it's very similar to endowment, 
not similar to what we know and raises a lot of questions about connection that we do not know yet that Brandon's kept very close to his chest. I mean, shit, just think about what Ishard did to all of bridge four, the very end of rhythm of war. (laughs) He forged connections between them and the ground. Like, (laughs) yeah. So connection is finicky, man. We do not know how it works. So I will concede or concede sounds wrong, but the, it's a big moment in a, in a character development sense, I I still, sure. I still think it's sort of plot holeish with the investiture side, and we don't have to agree on that. Mm-hmm. That's all right. Yeah, I don't know if it's plot hole because it raises a question, and it's not one that he wants to give us the answer to. Fair enough. That's true. Um, For me, my big moment. I've been waiting to say this one because <laughs> it's a smaller one. Uh, but I loved this. I think it was actually my favorite moment of the entire book. I guess maybe non-huge, huge, huge thing, like him flying with the shard plate, was when uh, the Cinder King broke the promise. That just was incredible. He's like, you know what? I, those mean a lot, man. Never, <laughs> never break an oath to her, Osharin. That was a hell of a moment. I just I, That meant a lot to me, myself, so I enjoyed it. Are we talking about other big moments that we like? Yep. I loved it when he reached the top of the mountain and was just a, just like a couple steps out from the sky and able to finally take in the view and enjoy a moment of like peace and receptivity of his journey rather than just always being always being on the run and trying to keep one step ahead of those pursuing him. I thought that was a beautiful moment of peace and I'm glad that he was able to share that with Ox before his untimely demise. That was that was beautiful and um, great point of him finally taking a moment because he's running from the sun and and also running from the night brigade too, she and the cinder king the and, and the cinder the king and himself. Mm. It's huge. Um, my favorite moment, I think I already mentioned it though, was the uh, the learning that Cinderhearts could be recharged because it was like the what the fuck moment of the book for them. Yeah. It was the how the hell could you keep this from them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it felt like a huge turning point in his personality and his opinion towards uh, what he felt he was going to do for these people in this planet. We got to watch him be radicalized in real time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's good, Jake. While we're on the, the Night Brigade real quick, I just want to shout out to one other thing I read. It was originally going to be called the Dusk Brigade, which I thought was interesting. And then he came out with Sixth of Dusk and he was like, I can't do yeah, that anymore. Yeah, had to change it. Yeah, to change yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Good pivot, Brandon. I know you're listening. Um, so so we're on that since email. we're on favorites, <laughs> since we're on uh, favorites, um, what was your uh, favorite, who's your favorite character uh, in the book? I feel like we're all going to say Ox. I'm going to say Ox. Favorite not named Ox, then let's just let's favorite. Just favorite yeah, because I was yeah. So it's, actually, it's, I wouldn't call Ox my favorite character. I think my favorite wrong. character. Okay, fair, <laughs> fair. No, my <laughs> favorite character was probably Elegy. I really loved Elegy. Her whole, you know, point of she was like what the only other point of view that we really get. Yeah, if I we remember correctly. Really get a lot. You're right, and that's why I really enjoyed her because we get all these stories about what she was like, and then the only interaction we get with her is she's like, "I'd like to fight, p- 
please. Yeah. That looks fun. <laughs> I, I do wish we got more Elegy POV maybe in the beginning if we were going to, like, focus on her at the end. Because um, I think it would have made it a little bit more impactful. Um, but I loved Elegy, too. And I loved um, Sigil tossing the sword to her and her using it mm-hmm. and then fighting together. And that then she saves her sister, which is, like, against her own intent. And so, yeah. like, that, that coming together was really beautiful. Okay, but like, t- yes, Ox is amazing. He's just—he's <laughs> incredible. He's a hell of a character. He's never broken his oaths. He's saved the world, basically. Quick question: When in the scene that Joe was talking about, I guess right before, right before he finds out that they could have done something, and he sort of like centers himself and has this decision to uh, watch and witness—are those the words of the Skybreakers? Maybe. Do we know those? I don't think the I don't think, so. word, I don't think the ideals of the skybreakers are like that. I think you need to swear to like a quest for the third ideal. Yeah, zaps up to three, to, right? Yeah, I think that's the third one, or maybe it's the fourth one. The first one, the first obviously is where uh, life before death, strength before weakness, uh, journey before Dream destination. And then the second one is you swear yourself to someone who you believe is like an ideal of Which the Which he law. did to Dalinar, yeah. To Dalinar, correct. And the third one is, I think, where he has to go and complete the quest, which is him eliminating the Shin people. Good old and Seth. Is the, uh, is the fourth one where he becomes the law? No, that's the fifth one. That one I know is the fifth one. My favorite, at least, is the Greater Good Trio. Um, that's not named Ox, but that one. Um... Only because when I first heard them, my first thought were like the three fates. Like if you think about like uh, like uh, what is that Greek, Greek mythology? mythology? That was where my first head went. But these are like the greater good trio, so it's like the opposite of the three fates that they're like kind of dipping into. And I just I like that like kind of uh, comparison. That's all. If you had to pick the one best one was trio. yep. I knew you were. I um, knew someone was going to say probably, contemplation all day. As a character. Probably contemplation, but like I confidence is where I resonate with, I think. So that's why I would choose confidence. Um, I'm not the most compassionate, so I can't choose compassion. Um, compassion <laughs> was just sweet. Um, yeah, she was just giving people hugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another cool moment. Uh, shout out to the Bridge for Kata that, uh, that Sigzel performs. Yeah. Very epic. Favorite art piece. Go, Richie. Oh, uh, my favorite art piece has got to be him coming out of the sky. All with day. The, with the armor and that the shit of the sky was behind lit. Him. Do you have I a, shit I got, was lit. Do you have a picture? I got music videos in my head about this. Damn right. That's the one thing I miss in the audiobooks. They do audio Damn. descriptions of the art, but it's never the same. Richie, if you would please. You just send me pictures of all of them. Oh, my God. That looks right? Can I pin That's it? sick. And he's like on fire. I love that. Yeah, because he's oh, on he's on fucking fire. And that's the uh, the symbol of the skybreakers behind him. We're saying this means he was at least fourth ideal skybreaker. Wild, 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 wild. Yeah, so I guess you guys don't, you guys don't really have the um, since you're audiobook listeners, you didn't really get to enjoy the art as much richie just out here both siding this <laughs> no i because i i read the book and also listened to it at the same time i know I you did 
That's how I was able to finish it in two days. Anytime I wasn't physically reading it with my eyes, I was listening. <laughs> uh, my favorite artwork is the same. And I guess Joe and Jake may struggle with that part. So definitely the same incredible piece of art. Least favorite character? Cinder um, King. All day. have to be the Cinder King for me. He was not a good villain. He's one of my but favorites for his stupidity. Yeah. Just specifically because he was <laughs> dumb. But that's not a good character if they're just they could, dumb I, I do think they could have flushed i think brando could have flushed out elegy and rebecca more because we haven't discussed about we haven't talked about them at all which means that there wasn't really much to talk about you know there was times in this book that i felt like he had to cut a lot in order to get this either done in time or delivered in the way he wanted delivered in the fast-paced style because he knew if you read the afterword that he wanted it to be constant action this time and so I think there was a lot it cut out, probably both about the Cinder King, the Beaconites. Uh, it was a lot, I think. You know, I think the Sander Lanch in this book was in Rebecca and Elegy's character development because there was just like nothing. And then in the it's, last act, yeah. it's really crazy. This yeah. is what I'm saying. I feel like we should have gotten an, uh, an Elegy POV or some more Rebecca at the beginning if we were going to focus so much on her at the end. It's definitely right? just because like, it's yeah. a short book. I, I think that if he would have made it longer, he would have. But you got to keep it to the hot takes in a, in a very quick book. Agreed. Right. Like okay. I recall in a quick book, 500 pages. I'd say my least favorite characters are these Skadrian scientists. <laughs> I knew that was Fair. Happen. Least favorite because of how much of a, an asshole they are? Because they were laughing and making jokes while there was essentially a like extermination almost extermination going on going outside. outside. Um, yeah. And they had the power to like stop, if not um, like ameliorate, if not stop it. Instead, and they, were they enabled their it. Fingers. Instead, they literally were enablers. <laughs> yeah, I'd argue that they are more. I don't know if they're more villainous, but culpable. They're. What, what what's that Martin Luther King quote? Um, the the appalling uh, silence of good people rather than the appalling loudness of evil people or something. The passivity was yeah, terrible. It, it was yeah, it was truly awful. Well, that I mean that's a love to hate character that true, but they and were. I think it was Brandon ex- like explicitly making a point with them. I love characters I hate. And all forms of media. <laughs> like most TV shows I watch, I hate every single character in the show. Um, <laughs> How is that fun? How do you enjoy that? I, become, I, mean, I love to hate Sadius. I become invested in the hatred. I don't know. How odium of you. Yeah. My least favorite character, and this is more so because I wanted more out of it, is like the whole Night Brigade. They kept being mentioned. Um, we didn't get them till the epilogue. Uh, yeah. I, I wanted more out of it, and that is not a hate necessarily on the Admiral and Truth is Waiting as much as a hate on their depiction in the story. Yeah. To be fair, yeah, I can, I can so. Truth is Waiting was a very chosen name. I love it. I love that part. That's the only part I love. <laughs> yeah, pretty on the nose. But, All right. but well, that's, that's it for me, Richie, yeah, that, if you want to yeah. take us out. Yeah. Um, we hit two hours plus. Is this long uh, on this or episode? Normal? No, all right. Long. This is a pretty. It's this long. is a pretty long episode. Can I do yeah. a Kremmy real quick? Ooh. Oh, yeah. Let's yeah. get some Kremmies. Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's let's throw some Kremmies around. Because we've talked about uh, 
sort of tropish characters in this book. Um, and especially with this character's kind of like tone and attitude and it being a bit of a departure, I want to give the uh, I'm getting too old for this shit award to Sigzel Accurate Nomad as fuck. Zellian. That's really good. That was perfect. I love that one. All right, so my Kremi, my Kremi, is the Richie Green Marathon Award, <laughs> and it goes to Sigzil because Richie, you don't got to run anymore, but Sigzil does. That's really, really clever. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Shout out, Jake. Okay, my award is going to be the Jackie Chan Creative Fighting Award. <laughs> <laughs> Um, for those of you familiar with Jackie Chan's works, he's always in a situation where he is handcuffed, tied to something, or limited in some capacity. It has to be creative in the way he fights. And that award is going to go to Nomad for being limited by uh, being unable to form an actual weapon against someone and having to get creative in the way he fights throughout the book. I think it's really fun to put protagonists in challenging situations like that. I thought that was very clever for Brandon because it was I was immediately like just like so invested in how he was able to get out of every situation without fighting. Yeah, and those are really fun fights too. Okay, I, I do have a real one <laughs> one I'm happy with. Um, <clears throat> I have uh, there's the same for the same character, same reason, two kind of ones. Solemnity to divine. I am giving the I just work here man award <laughs> for all the shit that Sigil <laughs> asked her to go do. And and the overworked and underappreciated award also goes to Solemnity Divine. That's <laughs> good. We need an award for we need an award for Jeffrey Jeffrey. Didn't he die? <laughs> I think he did. <laughs> Jesus Christ! What a terrible going, way to ask. I'm going to give the earless. Jack I knew it was award <laughs> to Jeffrey Jeffrey for making the noble sacrifice and for. Uh, and for never being forgotten, just like our boy Earless Jacks. Anything, Joe? No, I'm really bad at these. This is, this is, <laughs> this is like a very poor spot on my... The best I could think of, and this is terrible because like, you don't know my nephew, but the... <laughs> Great start. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, Joe's nephew yeah, award. Yeah, the Brandon Fisher award. Yeah, yeah, that's my nephew. Um, it goes to compassion because like he's like at this point and all he wants to do is just like cuddle up and hug you so um that is that is literally his character in a nutshell when he's listening (laughs) to this in like a decade he's gonna be like what the fuck joe but um (laughs) (laughs) i have another one this is the main character syndrome award to my boy ox we didn't talk about how hilarious it was that he would continue to describe himself as like the dashing knight and um, that was great. Nomad as, as his valet, and it was just so funny to watch the different combinations he came up with, and like, yeah, uh, honestly, it was very amazing. charming. Yeah, it, it was throughout the entire book. He was charming, and to that, I will give the Iron Giant Award oh, to Auxiliary for his sacrifice. <laughs> And Please, if you know, you know. <laughs> uh, you can give a lot of awards too. to Ox. You can yeah, give the, uh, yeah. the, all the Kremies to Ox. You've got a friend in me to Ox, you know. Oh, that's a good one, Joe. Um, that's so a very partner. good one. He swore oaths, too. 
I feel like we gotta give Wit something, but kind of unimportant this time around. Uh, award dead, goes dead to Wit. Beat dad award. The deadbeat dad. Oh, <laughs> I was gonna say the like humility award or the the he actually has a soul. He has a soul award. Uh, Still up for he debate. felt bad. Yeah. How about the bar is low award? Yeah, right. <laughs> for feeling bad about tormenting Sigzil forever. <laughs> a little bit. Remember. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! All um, right, all right. Well. well, all right. So I'll I'll take it out. Uh, thank you to the Crumlings for sticking with us for this uh, really long review of the sunlit man um if you're here hopefully you've read all of the cosmere because we max i swear really, to god we really did a deep dive <laughs> here um if you'd like to contact us send us an email at highly podcast at gmail.com and follow us on instagram at highly invested podcast uh thank you again once again and until next time Kremlings. See